Before we get too far into the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, please go to Racetech. If you want to show your bike some love, get your motor work done, get suspension work done, use the code PULP21 to save with Racetech. Get the right spring rates in your bike for your weight and or speed. Uh, also, please, uh, uh, they can rebuild your motor work. If you're a local motor builder, they can do the work for you. They'll sign an NDA. they got the CNC machines. They can do all the porting work that you need to do on your four-stroke head. And uh, they got valves, one-piece valves for Cowie 250s and YZ250Fs. So, uh, yeah, Racetech.com. Great guys, great company. They've been around a long time. And, uh, man, getting your suspension oil changed and getting it serviced, the your bike you'll feel like you're riding on pillows. And tell them you listen to Pulp so you can get a deal. Racetech.com. A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show, presented by Maxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,700 podcasts delivered with over 17 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews, and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Brian Barry, a.k.a. Muffin, longtime mechanic for uh, John Dowd. And you've definitely seen him at the races if you're any kind of fan. And uh, he also worked for uh, Danny Smith and Damon Huffman later on. But, uh, yeah, Brian Barry, a.k.a. Muffin. Good dude. Really happy to do this one. Uh, thank you, people, for listening. It's a long one, but hang in there. Some great stories, man. Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Their 2022 line continues to push the boundaries of innovation and style. The all-new Formula CP helmet offers Rion technology at an eye-popping price. Improvements extend to the Evo and Kinetic lines of gear following last year's big changes to the light line. Remember they got rid of the zipper and they just used the BOA? Yeah, big changes. With the market-leading formula helmet uh, revolutionizing brain protection and Zone Pro goggle making its uh, podium debut this year, things have never looked brighter for the folks at Fly Racing. Check out the new line at flyracing.com and uh, visit and oh, go visit at Fly Racing USA on social media. So go to motorsport.com and check out the fly racing stuff or go to your local dealer and, uh, and yeah, look it up, man. They do, they're doing good things, the guys at fly racing. Thank you to folks at Renthal, Maxis, Cobalinks, and motorsport.com, also on board this podcast. Renthal, the winning brand in manufacturing design for the last half century. Renthal continues to lead the world at the very top level of sport, amassing more titles than all competing brands combined. Renthal's records are unsurpassable with 230 U.S. titles and 223 world titles. Thanks to the hard work and dedication detail, the Renthal factory has been helping world-class riders achieve their championship goals since way back in 1969. Factory Cowie, Factory Honda, Red Bull KTM, they're all using Renthal products, man. Sprockets, grips, bars, uh, they got all sorts of things to fit uh, your favorite machine. Renthal.com for more information and uh, love these guys and love their products, man. They do a good job. Hashtag Renthal, hashtag we build championships. Thanks to the folks at uh, Max's Tires as well, SGB Max's Kawasaki team. Out there this summer with the guys, uh, A-Ray, well, A-Ray's out for a little bit. He's got some surgery, but A-Ray's on the team. Jordan Jarvis, Jeremy Smith, Rod Bell, of course. Uh, please, uh, if you haven't uh, thought about Maxis for your tires, for your 
dirt bike, which Jeremy McGrath uses, mountain bike, which I use, light truck, I have them on my Ridgeline, trailer, I don't have a trailer, uh, Maxxis.com will have you covered, and uh, they make tires for a lot of things, man. So thanks to the folks at Maxxis for helping out, and uh, they support the sport in a long time in a number of ways. Uh, way back in 02, we were using it at Moto Triple X as privateer. So Maxxis.com for more information, and again, thank you people for listening. Uh, here's Brian Berry. Talking about a lot of stuff, some good New England stories with John, the junkyard dog, Dowd. And uh, really love this one, really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. And now, as promised, on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, an old friend of mine uh, from the mechanic days. Love to check in with him and see how he's doing. Brian Barry, what's up, Muffin? How are you, man? Man, I am doing well. How about you? Everything I'm, going well? Yeah, everything's good, man. I'm still going to these dumb dirt bike races, though. Yeah, man, I envy you as far as that goes. Believe me, I, uh, I'm stuck down here in the state of Florida just uh, watching it rain right now. Um, you still follow the races? You still watch them? Yeah, certainly I, I, I watch them. Um, usually our, our life is pretty busy right now with uh, softball and all these other things, so mm-hmm. I usually watch them like the next day. Or I, I try to stay off all Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> Text messages, anything. I don't even look at my fantasy race uh, you know my i, I do i do uh hope mx so I, I don't even look at that i get to watch watch the races nice nice well thanks for playing yeah. pulp mix fantasy yeah thanks man um yeah I, i'm terrible at it by the way <laughs> so am i i'm having the worst year uh I, since i started the game since we started the game i, I think i was uh I've been in the top 1000 pretty much every single year and and this year muffin it has just gone terrible well, I will tell you what, I, the problem I have is I still want to pick like my guys that I at least know and I know their names a little bit. Yep, and, yep. and the points are when you get these guys like Bob McGillicuddy, who just <laughs> goes out and races one race and, and kicks complete butt. And he's like a 25 handicap. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah exactly. And then there's, there's certain guys like, I don't know Alex Ray. He's, he's a little beyond, <laughs> beyond my point. You know, he's younger than me or whatever. <laughs> But that guy, I pick him, and I'm, like, so excited. I think he's going to do good. And then he'll be up there for, like, half the race, and I, and I t- like, popcorn or something, come back, and he's down, and I'm losing all my points. Uh, there's a warning. We put a warning in there just for A-Ray, just so, you know, you, you got your warning. <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. I had Phil Nicoletti was, you know, I, I, I like Phil. Yep. You know, I, I just I met his dad many years ago. And uh-huh. I really liked Phil a lot. And I and – I, God, I keep going back to my heart. You know, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Phil, and then, oh, he just, oh you know, yeah. doesn't do it. Trust and me. And sometimes, like I said, he'll like lead the race. So you're like thinking, oh my God, I'm really good here, and then, yeah, doesn't go so well. No, yeah, trust me, it's pretty frustrating for sure. Uh, what, uh, what are you doing for a living these days? What's going on? Well, I work um, as a zone manager for Ford Motor Company. Okay, which means I just sit in my spare bedroom, stare at computer screens all day and call uh, dealers in what's called the select dealer region, which is, uh, you know, smaller dealers. Mm-hmm. So we have lots of many dealers just, um, and, you know, that we take care of. We don't see them on a, on a weekly basis or anything. It's usually once a year. Um, pretty good job. Very, very hectic, though. I'm still, you know, kind of new at it. And it's just, oh, my God, it's just uh, fire drill after fire drill, it seems like, <laughs> with different things, you know. Well, good. It's just like putting in a motor in Dowdy's bike in between motos or something. It's a fire drill. You're used to it. And I'll, t- I'll take that any day than, th- than this, honestly. I used to love that stuff. But, right. Um, it was amazing when you get the whole team together, putting one of those things 
one of those bikes back together between motos that how fast you could do it when everybody was working in sync, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One guy takes one side of the bike, other guy takes the other side, right? And you're just kind of like doing it that way. Yeah. It's uh yeah, yeah I sure. agree. Uh, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. We got a lot of time to get a lot of stuff to get into. Uh, you had a great mechanicing career in the sport uh, for a long time, mostly with uh, the junkyard dog, John Dowd. But I want to get into before Dowdy going way back, Brian, um, you grow up in the, in the Northeast there and, and are you racing? Are you riding? Yeah. So my dad actually raced back in the day in like the, uh, like 62 through about maybe 60 to about 65 he okay. raced like BSAs and match mm-hmm. looses and stuff. And, um, so the riding thing, motocross motorcycling was always in my blood. Of course it was more like scrambles back then. It was, you know, a different, different type of thing. Um, but from what everybody says, my dad was pretty good. Um, he just, you know, he, he had me and then they just couldn't really afford, you know, all the food they had to give me and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and still race. But, um, but yeah, so that's how it got in, in, in me. And then, you know, I was, I'm like, you know, I, I don't know, a lot, not everybody knows my size, but I'm a pretty big guy. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. Nowadays I'm a, you know, 300 pounder, six, four, 300 pounds. So, I mean, it's big for a motorcycle for sure. And, um, you know, so I, I didn't know that though, when I was first getting going, like I, I went out there, my first race bike ever was a CR 450. And then I went to a CR 480. Um, <laughs> and and I, I literally had like no, you know, I had no heavy springs or anything. I didn't yeah. know anything about it at that time. And, um, and I used to go to Southwick cause that's our, our local track. And uh-huh. I would watch these guys and I'm thinking they're going so slow. It's ridiculous. You know, like I'm so much faster than my little like local sand pit by my house. Yeah. Well, you can't really see how deep the whoops are till you actually get on the track. <laughs> and, you know, I realized, like, I was racing the one guy that I was making fun of the weekend before yeah. the first race ever. And I'm like, you know, we are having a battle. And then and I realized at the end that there was the guy that I was making fun of the week before. So it was a little depressing. <laughs> now, was your dad a big guy, too? Yeah, he, he was. He, yeah. he was 6'5". Okay. He was more like a 250 guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got a little bit, you know, broad, broader shoulders and stuff than he does. So, so, but, um, uh, so you were just a local racer going, going there every week or racing all over the the, the NESC. Yeah, I mean, I I did make uh, make it to the amateur level there. Okay. So, you know, New, New England sports back then was very well represented. There was like you know seven hundred riders at a Southwick race. I mean, yeah. it was crazy back then, and you had to get points to to move up. So it was you, know, you had to win some races to move up, and and I you know I. The sad part is, is you finally win some novice motos mm-hmm. and 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 then you get to the uh, you know amateur race and now your guy in 27th place is the guy that was winning the novice motos two weeks ago. You yeah. Know, you're like, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> and the irony of that whole thing was that's how I met John was, you know, Dowdy was basically he was one weekend. He lined up on the open novice class with us and he had a, a year and he had holes in their fender. I'll never forget it. And what he had what year was this? Or not. Probably what year was this? This was 85. So 85, I okay. Yep. 85 CR500. Yep. And he had an 84 CR500. What those things were death They were water cool. They were li- water cool or liquid air cooled, and yours was water cooled, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, that's right. That's right. So, but they had the little, they had the little uh, shroud on the one side to make it look like it was. Yeah, a little black shroud there. there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But they, they were not great bikes. And anyway, I'm, I look over and, you know, I doubt, doubt he tells me the story later, but I'm like, why? So he had black duct tape all on the side of his helmet. 
and and with white numbers because we had New England, like I said, was very strict. You yeah. had to have your numbers on your bike, six right. inches on the sides, three inches on the helmet or whatever. So yeah. anyway, later on, I found out that the, he got to the track, didn't have any numbers, and the track vendor only had white and he had a white helmet. So that was the whole point of the, <laughs> the black. But I'm like looking at this guy going like, look at this guy with the holes in his fender. I mean, yeah. He had like lights on it at one point. It was like an enduro bike or something. And uh, and the black duct tape. And so I get like a second place start. And this is hilly track up in Charlemont, Mass. It's like an old ski resort. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm coming down the hill and I'm like, I'm going, you know, man, I'm, I'm like on it right now for me. And this bike comes bedinging by, like, you know, totally detonating and <laughs> yeah. the whole deal, right? Bang, 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 and it flies by me down the hill. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Well, there's, like, chicanes all the way down this hill. Because if you went straight down it, you would be, like, going 150 miles an hour. Uh-huh. And and he hits the hay bale. I see the legs going over. I don't even know who it is at this point, but I, I go by, and I, I'll never forget it. 744. I see Dowd on the back. I go, yeah. This idiot. Well, yeah, complete idiot. And then I go I go around the race. I go all the way around, and I get to the spot that you're going up the hill, heading to this big downhill that he crashed on last time. And around the total outside, I hear this just pinging 500 again. And there he is going around the outside of me a lap later. Like, he was flying down the hill, upside yeah. down. And, right. And I'm like, holy crap, this guy is, you know, flying. So... I'm not even going to, I'm not, you're not going to believe this, but he did the same exact thing going down the hill. So there he is, hanging <laughs> on the side of the hill again. <laughs> I go rolling by with my badass 500 all, you know, armor all. Yeah. Back then, that was the, you know, right. And then, uh, yeah, another lap, same thing. Every lap, basically, he smoked by me somewhere on the track. Um, so, yeah, so that was the kind of, the you know, kind of guy that you would just get mad at because you're 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 i was almost ready like the one weekend i i was getting like sixth place finishes all the time mm-hmm. not quite getting a trophy yeah and i thought i might have got one at this one race when i'm like oh man I, I got a trophy and here comes john walking by i still don't know him at this point and he's got this little dinky fifth place trophy he's like, i'm gonna go burn this thing you didn't want it because it's fifth place you know? <laughs> he won like every race you know what's crazy so that's 85 are you sure that's 85 I'm absolutely positive. So, I know my bikes, man. Come yeah, on. yeah. Okay, so but okay, so in eighty that's eighty five. So two years later he got thirteenth at Southwick in the in the in the national. Well, I mean that is really what That's what insane. So right. The next weekend we were like two weekends after that first race I was telling you about. You know, I've seen him now at the track a couple weeks in a row. Yeah. And we, there was this track at Wilbraham, which lots of guys would remember. That, like, anybody from New England area or even some of the national guys would go there. There was this cool track. It was in the woods. You had to know how to sneak over to get there. But it was somebody took a dozer and made a real motocross track in the woods. Okay. It was crazy. Yeah. And it went along the turnpike. And, um, so we were, we were out there riding, and here comes this John Dowd guy. You know, and I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty friendly guy. So I go over and yeah. I start talking to him about the joke about him passing me every lap. And he's just super nice as he always, you know, obviously everybody that knows him knows he's super nice guy. Yeah. So, so we get riding together in, in, in practice and stuff. And then it just like a whirlwind, man. I started hanging out with him and, uh, you know, we, we started like, you know, my world was, I had a, believe it or not, I had a firebird with a trailer on the back that I would. Do oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah. So this picture, that's the kind of guy I was, right? Everyone yeah. was spotless. I waxed yeah. it on Saturday before I went to the track on Sunday. You know, completely stupid move, but whatever. I wanted the dust to get on it. You know? 
and then John shows up. So when I he has a he has a blazer with the top taken off, nice. and the two bikes shoved in the shoved in like the yeah, back yeah. of this blazer. Oh wow! <laughs> and oh, to to make the story even better, the one on that first race when I'm going home, so I'm I'm like pissed off at this guy beating me so bad. Yeah, yeah. That's how I found out what vehicle he drives. It's absolutely pouring rain, and there's him and his buddy Jeff Ferreira. Jeff was a you know a local guy that we all hung around with as well. Are in this thing soaking wet. He's got the top off. <laughs> he's got all the fender wells cut out and these huge tires. And there's water shooting up like twenty feet in the air. And here I go by with my you know well he actually yeah. he passed me to be honest with you. I'm like over in the slow lane like oh god I got my I got my four ways on and the whole deal yeah. training. Yeah. And here he comes by. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Just. <laughs> oh, that's so, ladies and gentlemen, John Dowd. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That's how he got the junkyard dog thing. Yeah, really, right? Uh, it's yeah. that, that's insane that he was, you know, lining up with you and 500 yeah. novice, and then getting those yeah. points at a national. So, okay, so you meet him and you become buddies with him. And do, when do you start being his mechanic, and how does that go to? So, a lot of this. A lot of it started out as more of like a helper manager kind of thing, mm-hmm. like most of it. Yep. Um, neither one of us knew really how to work on a bike, so we were so we were pretty much screwed at that point. But <laughs> um, literally, he needed help. I mean, he because he got so fast so quick. Yeah. Um, and he was just a working guy, so he didn't really have the finances to keep up with the motorcycle, honestly. Uh, and I had been, I bought all my bikes from a place called Cycle Design. Doug Mulligan, great guy. I mean, definitely got his career started. Mm-hmm. I just, I just went to Doug and I said, "Listen, I got this friend of mine. He doesn't know what the heck he's doing. He is flying." And Doug uh, basically gave him the amateur championship. Well, actually, we bought a bike for the amateur championship. But then when he made the amateur thing, we went to the the next. So he won the amateur championship. The, so he went in New England. You go fall. Or spring series novice. Mm-hmm. Yep. He moved to fall series and raced one fall series as an amateur and got kind of got dinged up a little bit. And then the very next spring, he already won the amateur class. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he was. So, so then he needed help. I mean, we were, he was going through bikes like it was going through, you know, he was, you know, he's practicing on it. And, and he was an old school guy, you know, Doug Henry, John, all them guys, they rode all the time. Yeah. Not just once a week and then cycle with a, you know, the heart rate monitor, right. all this kind of stuff. Dowdy's just doing motos. Yeah, moto after moto after moto after moto. I mean, that's all it was. So the bikes were getting hammered. So Doug Mulligan gave him um, two Suzuki RM250s, um, said you can you know start paying me on the one. If you win the championship, I give you the, the second bike for the second half. If you get second, um, you know, uh, I'll give you, you know, he had, he had like a, a breakdown basically. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and he, he basically went out and, and won the damn championship. So he got himself another, he got more bikes and, and eventually down the road, Doug put in money and, or put in the, his name into team green. And we got a team green deal. And, um, it kind of just went from there really. It's interesting though. So you didn't really have a mechanical background. I thought maybe that like my dad was a car mechanic, right? So he yeah. made me work on my bikes growing up, and he taught me a lot, and I didn't necessarily like it, but I knew the basics. And So you didn't really have that, though. You weren't uh, a mechanical background guy. Um, well, I, I, I was. My dad was a mechanic, and my dad was 
he taught auto body and auto mechanics at a oh. trade school. Oh, okay. Because you said you didn't really know what you were doing on a bike. Well, right? yeah, okay. okay. I, I think so. The problem was, is my dad was a teacher at school and not teach anything when he got home. Okay. <laughs> so I kind of knew how to work on bikes and I was, you know, not a guy that was just going to snap every bolt. Well, well. Like, <laughs> yeah, snap a few bolts here and there, but I mean, you know, I was I was okay with it. I just yeah. I didn't really know how to do it. But so where I where I figured out how to do everything was uh, big one was Mike McAndrews, who yep. was the original owner of Factory Connection, mm-hmm. and the other one was Tom Morgan, who was you know Jeff Ward's mecha- mechanic. They were all you know factory mechanics at some you know at, at the highest level of the yeah. highest riders yeah. of all these great riders back in the day. And I just again I was just a talker, so I would. I literally sat on the phone the first time I split cases. I sat on the phone with Tom Morgan. And he talked me through putting the putting the cases back. On. Uh, really? Wow, that's cool. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. talk about having a good teachers, though, right? I mean, those are two of the best guys. Like, that's great. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and they would. I mean, man, I tell you what, they probably feel. And this is back in the day too, where you know you're not talking like a cell phone, like you and I are talking on right now. Yeah. I mean, you're attached to a cord at this point. It's not like you can go drive to the store. No, I mean, no. I'm asking them question after question after question, and and they just you know, you know, on the old, room, I was like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. like uh, in '87 he rides at the national on a Cowie, and yep. then in '88 he's on a Suzuki, and so this is. Pat Barton was the big guy back then, right? Uh, he got second or third at a moto. Uh, is Dowdy running with Barton up the, locally around that time? Yeah, so when, when we did the first one in 87, that wasn't actually with Cycle Design yet. That was a little shop called Bears Cycles. Okay. Just, we just bought, bought our bikes there. So he, he had a Cowie 500 and a Cowie 250. And we, yeah. we rode those at the, the National, and um, he was starting to get, like, I think he got, like, sixth or seventh in the overall new england series but you're you're also talking like barton jojo keller um joe waddington yeah waddington uh, yeah that's right you know wayne scott was a big guy he didn't do a lot in the nationals yeah. because he stayed at home but i mean he was a great racer i mean no jim meanin i mean there was some real legends uh david Rudnicki. yeah those were all like guys that that would go do well at the southwick national and they were all in that class ahead of him so, you know, he, he did hold his own on that 500 that, that really wasn't, there wasn't much done to it at that point. You know, and cycle, and his dog, his dog around this time too, Doug's right around him and, and racing like same, same spot. Are, so they, are they right around the same? Doug Henry is exactly one If you. If you look back at their career in New England, Doug won. So John was the first, the fastest to ever win an amateur championship coming from the novice class. Mm-hmm. He won on the 250. Doug Henry, one whole year later, basically, was the youngest or fastest to do it on a 125. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Then the same thing in the expert. Right. But so for a long time, when we would race New England, John would predominantly beat Doug Henry on a 250 and Doug predominantly beat John on a 125. Ah, okay. So, So, yeah, really some good rivalry going. Right. And, and I'll be quite honest with you. John and Doug Henry were not very good friends at that point because, right, right. because they had this little route and there was a guy by the name of, you probably remember him. I don't know how many other remember him. Ed Longacre was yeah. the Yamaha support guy at the time. And uh, Ed did not do anything to, you know, and I have a little bit of a fiery temper too. So me and Ed, Yes, you do. You tried to fight me one time in the mechanics area. We'll, we'll get into it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. 
that happened to a few times. But right. um, Edge was not uh, was was kind of trying to, um, you know, promote the little rivalry there. I think uh, as well. Okay. You know? Yeah. Because so, we were Team Green and he was Yamaha Ford, and you know it's kind of one of those deals, you know. Right. Right. So are you're you're working for John now, eighty seven, eighty eight. You're you're his mechanic on we everywhere every weekend type deal. So at that point, I was I was top end changing tires. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm doing the pit board. Yep. I'm doing the everything, prepping the bikes at the race day and, and before the race. But I was not doing any bottom ends at that point. Of course, we didn't. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Would you Would you really be doing them? <laughs> no. I'm, you know, literally, it was like when you're at the factory level, you do it like every weekend. And sometimes you're like going like, really? I'm, okay. It looks pretty perfect right now. The oil's not even dirty. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I mean, back then, I, you, we pretty much went the whole season with a, you know, unless you broke a transmission or something or you know had to replace crank bearings but that was the case you'd have everybody from the neighborhood would come over yeah yeah <laughs> you would you would build the bike but uh, yeah so everything else i was doing and i was still racing i was gonna say are you, you so you're racing and you're working during the week doing something yeah. doing whatever yeah, yeah i'm racing like one class in the either in the open like right. open amateur class but but honestly i was liking doing the wrenching for john way more um way more than i was riding at that point because yeah. i really that's when i thought i was big <laughs> and i was like you know i had like a, a ford uh, truck spring on my sh for my shock and <laughs> and i realized <laughs> my bike was hand it, it cost me thousands of dollars to get my chin apart for my big butt you know what i mean yeah yeah Jeez, and Z ziggy 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 didn't have it quite <laughs> down perfect yet as far as suspension no. revalving no, they, they actually, you know, they, they did great. I mean, but it was expensive. I mean, yeah. they weren't giving me, even at discounts. I mean, I had to buy shock springs and fork springs for the bike first off. And then some, you know, they didn't have all these valves and all this stuff you can buy now. But I mean, it was much easier and much quicker. It was, you know, a couple hundred dollars as but, opposed to a couple thousand like they are now. So there's no point around this time where you're like, oh, yeah, daddy's going to get a factory ride. I'm going to be a factory mechanic. We're going to win championship. Like there's no, none of this is going on through your mind. That isn't true. So, okay, eighty-eight. Uh, we start eighty-nine. We started going to you know a few more races. So yep. it all started with Keith Johnson's dad, Rick. Um, not the Rick Johnson, the racer, <laughs> but the Rick right. Johnson, the Celtic. Right, and um, Rick had at if you remember right at that time he had that KTM factory rig that yeah. was like Rick, Rick owned that thing. It was you know way ahead of its time although okay. it was the stiffest riding vehicle that ever 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 but he he said to john because i think you have the the ability to to go further in this sport uh -huh. and he said i think you should go to florida and race this way and um basically what it came down to was he needed someone a little older because keith was you know like 18 at the time and he needed like we had to have the house in our name. So the old guy came in, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we went down there in a house with, with, with Keith Johnson, Mike, Bedwell, and, and us the first year. And then that evolved into Pat Barton and, and Carl Valancourt coming down, Carl Val Valancourt from Canada coming down and staying with the, the next few years. So there was like five years in a row that we were going to, down here to Florida to the Winterams. Yeah. Winterams were huge. Yeah, they were they big, really right? Yep. yep. Yeah. I mean, guys like Alan Dick would be there and Ross Pedersen. Yeah. And, and I mean, these, this. I mean, Hannah would show up. Bradshaw would come out. Like, yeah, it was crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
at, in 89 at the, the sand track here, which uh, I cannot think of what they call it right now. It's not even here anymore, but it was a really gnarly sand track. Uh, Coco? And, um, Coco Beach? Coco, yeah. Yeah. Right in Coco. And that's, yeah. Right, that's right where I live. I live right I, I live probably 10 minutes from that place right now, the old place. But yeah. Um, anyway, uh, John, John was going at it. Uh, I think he was second at the time, and he was catching Bradshaw. And, you know, and Hamp was, like, behind him. So it was, like, amazing, you know. Yeah. And uh, he ends up kind of hitting Bradshaw in a turn, but not, like, not purposely or whatever. But I remember, it's funny, because, you know, you end up working, you worked with him as well, but Bob Oliver, you yeah. know, was, was down there helping uh, Damon at the time. And Bob is half of my size. Yeah. But he has the most intimidating stare you've ever dealt with. <laughs> he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> so they hit and Bradshaw falls and John takes off in the lead. And I'm like, all, you know, I'm like, yeah, he's in the lead. Woo, we're winning the damn, you know, Florida him. And I look down and there's Bob Oliver staring at me with his beat. His, you know, he was bald back then. So yeah. his head was all red. And, and I'm like, all right, I'm not, I'm not looking down that end anymore. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Afraid, you know, and then, well, so, anyway. Yeah, so 89, he's, he's, you know, so he's in the Florida series, which is, yeah, stacked, like you said. He got third yeah. at Southwick, right? He made a 250 main mm-hmm. event in, in Miami. So, yeah, you're, you are thinking that this thing could be a career. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people kept telling John, I, I think that's, you know, if he had a dollar for every time somebody told him that he was too old, um, yeah. you know, that, you know, it, it was, uh, he would have gotten around to a lot of the races that way. <laughs> But, um, you know, the, the thing is, is that he was he, he definitely had a never give up kind of attitude. And, you know, and, and, and we were maybe just honestly just naive enough. Like John wasn't this guy, you know, like Jeff Glass at the time was a factory supported rider. I'm like, oh, man, there's Jeff Glass, you know, yeah, yeah, super cool yeah. guy. We didn't know him at the yeah, time. Yeah. John's like, well, who the hell is that? Like, right. You know, like, he doesn't he didn't care. He didn't. I was the one that was all hyped up on all these other riders. John could care less. Like he was just going out and chasing the next guy. And if that number was number four, Ron Lachine, or it was number 10 guy Cooper, he didn't know who the hell he was chasing. He was just going out there and riding. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. But that totally helped him. Right. Yeah. I think absolutely. Like, I mean, he he just didn't, he didn't get caught all up in that, in that thing, uh, you know, in that amateur type, you know, he never raced the amateur who these guys were, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, because, um, uh, yeah, third in 89. I mean, this is a total privateer, 4-5. Yeah. He goes 4-5 for third overall. I mean, abso- absolutely privateer, too. I mean, right. not even, like I'm telling you, if not like Sean Kalos privateer with, you know, with <laughs> like, the great yeah. equipment right. and factory support. I mean, we're talking like a complete stock RM250. Are you still working during the week, or is this turning more into like? Because now you got to drive to these races, and you know what I mean. Is this turning more into full time deal for you? Well, eighty nine, we're still going. We're still working every day. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, even ninety one, when he won the the Hangtown race, when we had a haul haul butt back, we were, you know, his dad was like, "All right, you're done with your vacation. Let's get back here and get some work done." Okay, yeah. This is the junkyard. This is literally the junkyard. Well, he he worked for the construction side of it. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, he never really worked at the junkyard. His dad owned the junkyard, but in you know, construction and stuff. But before before you get to that, so when I was in '89, on my end, although I didn't even do a top a bottom end at that point, the top ends had those down pretty good, <laughs> down pretty good. Yeah, 
tire changing, even changing oil in the forks and shock and all that. So I had that stuff all pretty good. Mm-hmm. What I didn't have, what, what I, I was kind of naive too. And I remember taking this bike and seat was big back then, right? Yep. Seat racing. Yep. yep. And they had this look for the RM250 that would like this yellow seat with like orange and I don't know, like ungodly colors on it. And I had this bike so polished. Anything that was a metal <laughs> item that could be polished was polished. I spent the entire week on building that bike yeah. for, the, for that race. And and I purposely, you know, there was like uh, a couple times um, – Ray Tetherton had come over. Oh, Ray okay. Tetherton was the Suzuki factory yep, yep. team manager. I'd come over and just said hi, mainly because he had done, he'd been doing well, and, and Mike McCandrick was always talking about how good he was. Right, you know? right. He'd come over and say hi. So, of course, you know, we were bringing him Reese's peanut butter cups and Mountain Dew because that's what all <laughs> Ray drank and ate at the time, trying to kiss ass. Purposely had bikes so lubed up with armor all and polished in every shape or form. Probably had a dented rim. I don't know, but it sure looked good. <laughs> but it sure looked good. Yeah. yeah. And I had to go walk. I went walking all the way down, and I, and I had to walk right by all the Suzuki factory trucks on my way to the tech inspection. Yeah. And I'm in my mind, I was thinking like they're probably going like, we need this guy on our team. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Check my bike and, out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Look at look at this thing. You know, and I'm not talking about John. I'm talking about me. Like, yeah. they might hire me. There. I'm so good at this. You know. <laughs> and the funny part is, like, you go, you go, uh, you know, 10, 15 years later, I'm in the, the Yamaha factory rig, and I'm like watching some some guy pulls up and. He's got purple graphics on his Yamaha and his pipes all polished. And I got the purple end cap anodized or something. <laughs> yep. and I'm like, look at this dork. And I'm like, wait a minute. That dork was me 15 that was me. years ago. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Because remember, it's Saturday at the Tech, this Friday practice at Nationals, and Saturday you're at the hotel. And it was a bike oh, yeah. show, right? It was a bike show. You, you just had Absolutely. to make sure your bike. I remember I had a, you know, a green chain from EK on my Kawasaki. I thought it was the coolest thing ever, you know? <laughs> Right. Oh, it's funny to look and, back. And that's when the factory mechanics go by and they go like, oh, EK chain, that thing's going to snap in two two yeah. minutes into the race. Yeah, yeah. So oh, that's interesting. So in 89, I don't know if you can tell me or maybe you don't even remember, but in 89 in the Racer X vault, John's on a Suzuki for Troy. Then he's on a Cowie in a 125 class at Broome. And then he's on a Honda in the 500 class in Unadilla. Is that true? Uh... Did you? About eighty nine. Um, well, so I do remember. I don't remember the one twenty five. Oh yes, yes. Oh god, yeah, yeah. That was true. Okay, so he switched. So we to, he rode Cowie for one race or something. <laughs> well, no, we had all from New England. We had all that stuff. You know, we raced two classes in New England. Two, every weekend in New England, you race uh, two classes: one twenty five and two fifty expert. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that was all that was available back then. Uh, there wasn't any of these vet classes or anything right, like that. Right. So, but we had the 125, and um, yeah, so that was that was actually. Uh, but it says Kawasaki. Yeah, because Suzuki's. Uh, let's see. Well, how did the Kawasaki? Oh, Doug Mulligan was trying to Doug. I was trying to get us on the Team Green program, so he got us a Cowie. Oh, we okay. Didn't want the Cowie 250. That's a slow so bike. Then when That's... how the Honda came around was I had an 88 CR 500 mm-hmm. and we were, I think that was, I'm not sure if that was at the national or at the support class for, for the um, GP. Do you remember on that? 89 was a national. It's the last one of the year in 89. Uh, Bale comes over to it and I think RJ wins it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we, we were actually, uh, so he's on my 500 
which um, that was my first, uh, that was the first time I ever put a crank in the bike or split the cases was because he blew it up. Okay. Um, <laughs> practicing for that race. And so anyway, long story short, this, he about, you know, last lap, essentially I was trying to get him to, to slow down to get lapped because he had a flat. Oh, okay. And yeah, yeah. He didn't. I don't remember exactly what position he was in. Maybe, maybe like fifth or something. It was crazy like how good he was doing. And unfortunately, the tire came off the rim completely and got stuck down in gravity cavity. Oh, shit. And um, the funny part about that one is, is I have two friends of mine that we all went up to the edge of gravity cavity. Yep. And um, so he was the last guy that was not lapped. Okay. That's why I'm saying, like, I think I think if he would have saw my sign better or understood the sign, right. he, he might have gotten lapped, and then he would have then he would have been okay for that lap. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But instead, he... he had to do a whole other lap and he ends up breaking down there so i come running over to the edge and i yell down i'm like just ride it up the hill <laughs> and, and i i'm telling you i don't know what he said probably never know what he said because he was way down there and he had his bike yeah. running but i saw his mouth going i saw his eyes bugging out of his head and his hands going and apparently he was i didn't know that the tire was stuck on the side of the rim at that point so I, <laughs> well he went 12 12 that day so even that that you know he the dead last spot. He, uh, uh, Jeff Stanton won the second moto, so he lapped up the thirteenth. <laughs> well, yeah. So it was. It was. That's exactly what happened. So yeah. we were in like fifth, but because there was only those lappers, he ended up. He did push. I don't know how the hell he got it. I don't remember exactly that yeah, part of it. Yeah. To be honest with you, it's been a while. But uh, but he ended up getting the last spot. But he would. He lost like seven spots. Shit. Jojo goes nine eight in eighty nine. I thought Jojo was pretty much done. But good job for Jojo going nine eight at that race. I know, right? Right. Jojo, was, Jojo had his moments. Jojo's people don't even know how amazing Jojo is. Uh, I know. I could do a whole podcast with with stories for, about Jojo, right? <laughs> I know. Get Keith Johnson on there and let him tell you the stories of riding the railroad tracks on a wheelie on the actual track. And no, uh, I've asked Keith about it. He told me I got to get Treadwell to tell all this Keith Johnson stories because Treadwell remembers everything. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Keith had a couple of concussions along the way. So, uh, so ninety. This is the team green. This is when, for me as a kid growing up in Canada, nineteen nineties when I start noticing who John Dowd is because you guys are team green. You're you're crushing the Florida series. Like this is kind of more of a step up of a level. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, we we I was starting to get my bearings together as a mechanic. Yep. We had um, our bikes were getting much better. Um, we had help from a lot of people. So we, you know, we had actually, we still didn't do a lot with the motors to be completely honest with mm -hmm. you. Um, mainly John rode really low with the power anyway. Like he always kind of had that thing in his head that he didn't want to like, like he, he used so much less fuel than like Emig and those guys in the day, you know, like he, he just was really rode his bike, uh, low in the RPM range and just kind of lugged it. So that's the way he liked to ride. Right. Um, so we didn't really have a lot done to the motor. Uh, was made, but we had we had you know pipes and silencers at that point. We did have some ignition stuff. Um, we just had a lot better product, and we had the biggest thing is is when you finally get Team Green, you get tire support. Okay, so you're not like, yeah trying to run like one tire for two nationals and stuff. You're starting to get you know some help. Yep. Um, so that was that was huge as well. I mean, Team Green gave us like. I know it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but I mean, they gave us like 25 tires just to be on Team Green. And then we also were sponsored by Dunlop. So they sent us like 30 tires. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. We're like, we're like, oh, do we need, you know, we already got our 30 tires from Dunlop. So, 
And Team Green's like, no, you get 25 on top of that. Shut you, up. Right. Yeah, take them. Take them. <laughs> who's like, holy who, crap. Whose box fan do you have at this point? Whose van is this? So, um, well, we had we had a, an old milk truck at one point. Okay. But uh, <laughs> hopefully that was, the, I don't know, do you guys see a picture of it or something? No, no, no. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering, like. Who like this, this? Is this your full time job now? In ninety, are you? This is all you're doing? No, still, still not. I was oh. actually, a, I was actually a jail guard for a little while. Oh, okay. When I started doing that, I went, I went with, uh, I ended up doing construction with John. So I bounced, did construction, and worked for John. And you know, it wasn't a lot, but but those three jobs together kind of paid for for everything. You know what I mean? And you're having a time of your life driving around going to these races, I guess, too, right? Like it's just got to be so cool. Uh, absolutely and yeah. you know the only thing that does suck now when i'm now that i'm 55 is i would be either retired or retiring from the uh jail yes <laughs> i worked at, would have worked at for 25 years or 30 years at this point yep but um you know but, i mean i got to see <laughs> all over the world and yeah I, I wouldn't trade it you know honestly you know who's a jail guard bobby canari really oh yeah yeah he loves it that's cool um so okay, so ninety and yeah, yeah. John got seventh at Lake Sugar Tree and seventh at, mm-hmm. at Southwick. So top ten at Unadilla. You know, he's starting yeah. to starting to really be like, hey, I can make a living at this. I can do. I can take try to take this. You know, somewhere for practicing. Would you go out with him? And w- was he just hammering motos in some sand pit by his house, like behind that corner store? I went one time behind a corner store with Dowdy. Uh, some sand pit is is that is that all he would do? Just ride. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, he, um, he did. So there was this, there's, you know, there's the Wilbraham mountains are pretty close to us and there was this Mount Tom ski area and they, they would go do, there was this guy Brennan that lived with us and and they would go run this, this mountain a lot. And they would just, there was a, you know, I, I did it one time and I literally like went up, turned the corner. I thought I was running for up this hill. I'm going, Oh my God, this is so long. And then I turned the corner and I realized that I hadn't even started up the hill yet. That was the trail to the <laughs> And you were like, oh, like, boy. Okay. Yeah. yeah so I'll meet you guys when you come back down. Yeah. So, um, so yes, he was hammering motos. And yep. I went with him every, like. Every day. We, yep. you know, the other guy, Jeff, that I told you about, I was in the wet uh, Bronco there at mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. He was, he was still riding with us as well. So we had a garage that we used, all three of us. Um we, you know, we, we all had at one point, we were trying to be a team way back before teams were cool. So we all had the same showy helmet and the same white Fox boots. Yeah. Probably looked really stupid, but, um, you know, <laughs> at the time it was cool. We were going to, for the next year, we were going to try to do, um, three numbers in, you know, like 138, 238 and 338 or oh, something. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank God that never worked out. <laughs> that would have been terrible. Oh man. Um, so ninety one, why did switch to Honda? What happened there? Did you get Honda support? No, uh, a, a local dealership there, Parkway Cycles. So we, so what happened was the Team Green thing was literally to win New England. That okay. was their main focus. Yeah, yeah. So in ninety one, um, so ninety, John was able to. So we would, if you see our pattern there, like in, if you're looking at results or whatever, but we would race New England, and get a, a twenty five to fifty point lead. And then we'd say, okay, we can go to two races now. Like, he was winning every single weekend in both classes at that yeah, point. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. I mean, the only ones he would lose, like Uso or, or Pat Barton once in a while, On that, they would have days where they would have the 125 would be the first race of the day. Mm-hmm. 
and there literally wasn't a bump on the track and those guys could you know hang yeah. them like he fight on them at the end but unfortunately just nowhere to pass um but so he's winning every weekend which was nice at that point you know Cowie paid 300 or maybe even 400 dollars a moto so you know, you're making 800 bucks a weekend plus the purse and a big probably probably john was making probably a thousand dollars a weekend at the local races if not 1200 you know i mean so that was that was pretty decent yeah that's awesome I mean? right yeah and at this point he has most of his stuff paid for between team green and then that's where I, again that's where i came with the management kind of thing i i I called everybody, man. I got him hooked up with Answer Products, the first, the first out, you know, first sponsor we had. That was Kaiser, right? Kaiser was David up there. Kaiser, yeah, man, yeah. You know what's funny about that? Kaiser tells me the story like ten years later. He goes, "You know, I called Doug Henry and John Dowd on the same day, and you called me back first. Oh, really? <laughs> that's <Yeah>. funny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Doug Henry had clover gear that year, so we we, we won on that one. <laughs> yeah, really, right? Yeah, good job. He did. He had clover gear. Oh my god. Um. Cool. So, so basically, the switch to Honda was more like, "Hey, we want to do more stuff than get out of NESC." Yeah. Well, he got so so in yeah so in we we said, "Well, listen, we want to you win all the New England stuff," and we're like, "Well, I want to do a few more nationals." Well, you know, this could lose your ride, and then the Parkway Cycles comes in and they say, "Hey, listen, we'll give you, you know, Hondas and a small little parts budget," and we already had the outsides enough sponsors now you know, mm-hmm. you know what i mean we had like now we had fmf it didn't matter it wasn't through team green yeah. like we'll help you no matter what you do and right kind of thing. um so we took we took the took the honda ride and he again he just dominated down there in the winter amps he was flying on that thing um and you know then we went to you know, the, the, again, we still weren't really good friends with doug at that point we were kind of getting a little better friends like yeah because we see with the nationals but we, there was definitely that rivalry there. Like I remember at Gainesville that year, um, I think John went three, five or four or five or something for like fourth overall. I think, yeah, I got fifth like overall, ninety one. Yeah, yeah. Fifth, fifth overall. Okay. So Doug Henry, I think, got fourth overall. Okay. <laughs> so you know, like we're on the line for the two fifties, and he's, and I'm, I'm adding it all up in my head. I'm like, damn, he's gonna be like fourth overall. God dang it. Yeah, you know, you're John's like, like, I don't yeah. worry about it. You know, John didn't really play into it as much as i did that was mostly my stuff but, but anyway um so then we go to to, to hangtown and and we're on the line and doug is winning the race yes yeah and john so i say he doesn't take he doesn't like get in much he looks at me and he goes that's gonna be hard to beat that one <laughs> he's, you know like a lap away from winning the one yeah National. yeah and i'm like yeah no shit oh my god this um so that so one moto format hangtown just a complete shit show Mm -hmm. and dowdy wins and henry wins just amazing like do you so what do you remember from that day were you thinking they were going to cancel it were you i mean first of all full props to you for waterproofing that bike um (laughs) because i mean no for real like you know obviously it takes some luck too but uh yeah. you know you you did a good job and somehow John Dowd wins a national it's phenomenal yeah so i remember a lot of things there was so much water i've never seen yeah. i can't i still remember that race honestly but like there was some other stuff like there was some weird stuff going on like there was so much water running through the pits yeah when we came back our our practice bike that we had outside of the box van obviously um was on a stand and the water had come down and had washed uh, whole, like it hit the stand. The water was coming down so yeah. hard, it hit the stand. and was using that, and it, 
So it was on, on a little island. The stand was on a dirt <laughs> island. And like I was like, how am I going to get the damn bike off of there? It was like a, like a trail all the way yeah, around it. You know, right. It's crazy. But um, a lot of what happened that day, I mean, and I think I did a good job of, of waterproofing. We were from New England, so we, we had a lot of rainy yep. bases and stuff. Um, but the biggest thing was, I mean, again, back to the way John rode the bike. I mean, if you heard him going around the track, the only other guy that was lugging the bike like him was John Michelle Bale. Bale. Yeah, yeah. And he was leading. He's like burr, 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 up in like third gear around the corner and stuff. And John was doing the same thing. And then you had like Matazic. He goes into the lead. He's just like, yeah, everywhere, yeah. clutching it. And then Donk, he's out. And then Tishner, I think, went into the lead for a little bit. Again, just hammering the thing everywhere. Boom, he's out. Um, you know, and then and then there was a couple where guys would just literally slow down to go on an inside rut, and the guy would go by them on the outside and just cover them, and you hear the like whoa, whoa, yeah, and done, yeah, you know, like so you did. Like, there was some luck, like you said for sure. Um, when did he but, grab you know, the lead? Was he was it early? Was it late? When did he grab the lead? Do you remember? No, it was it was pretty late. I mean, okay, John Michelle Bale. I, I'll never forget had the little, um, like he put a. Cardboard, of, yeah, uh, cardboard, cardboard yeah. on his head with number eight on it, and I, I'm like watching the back straightaway where obviously the higher up on the track there was no water, and I, I'm like you know one lap it's probably I don't know maybe, you know figuring out time wise maybe five to seven, five laps let's say to, to go in the race, and I'm like, wow he's like closed up a lot on the little you know token going by meaning that the little thing on the helmet you know that's all i could really see yeah, yeah, I, could, yeah. I could tell john just because i knew everything about his riding style and everything obviously from watching him every freaking week you know but bail like he's just thing on his helmet and then and then like, the next lap comes in and all of a sudden he's like really close and then then he's like he's on him and i'm like oh my god he's you know he's catching him yeah and, and then um bail i again that it, it just was so exciting i think bail went inside somewhere and john just kind of like paddled through this outside section and, and i i he never really even challenged him again he just he kind of inched away from bail the last couple laps and that was it you had to be just over. unbelievably pinching yourself you're like we're gonna win a national <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's it's crazy but uh you know the the, the, so there's the weird thing about it is, and, and he's, so we're in Sacramento, California. We've been in Florida for the whole time doing the winter Rams. Yeah. A bunch of his winter Rams checks have been being sent back to New England. Back then it wasn't, you know, there wasn't Venmo to put right. money back in the account or anything. So we literally didn't stay in hell that night after the national because we were out of money. That's it. Like, really? Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was nervous to get home. Let's put it that way. Cause you know, it, it was, we were so out of money. Now he won ten grand for that race because they paid him for the overall. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. He got like Honda was paying. That's why. That's the other reason why we did Honda. They had huge contingency back then. Yeah. So, you know, he he was going to get ten grand for that race because they gave him the money for both. They gave him the money for both motos, I believe, or, or maybe it was the overall. It was motos. And that's yeah, what yeah. Was. So you knew. The, the it was decided to be one motor before the day started, right? Like you knew there wasn't going to be a motor yes. two, right? Yeah, it was just like yeah, yeah. this is it, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, but, so we get we get back there and we get back to New England and we're we're going right back to race New England the following weekend. Yeah. And um, I start taking the bike apart and I mean the the it was ruined. I mean it was ruined. <laughs> um, so we called I called Honda. Um, I got a number from I think McKinsey or something and and they gave us a new set of forks and shock and 
I don't remember if they gave us a motor or not. They gave us at least some parts yeah. to rebuild it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the motor had like water and sand, and I mean, it was it was oh. like what if that thing? If there was a second photo, we didn't have the ability or the capabilities, I, I should say, to to put and swap a motor out at yeah. that point. Yeah. We would have not made the second motor. There's no way. It, no, yeah. So did Henry come by after the win? Did Doug come by? Do you remember? Oh that? yeah, he did. Okay. You know. Doug and John, like I said, that was more like me and Ed Longacre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but but, but I, Doug was like he, he was on the damn you know finish line with his smile from ear to ear and just so you know, yeah, and like Doug always is. And um, but uh, yeah, it was it was yeah it was pretty cool at that point for sure. That, and that's then, it's amazing. And then you guys didn't even stay in a hotel after or anything. You grab you grab McDonald's on the way home when you drove back. <laughs> Yeah, no, we, we, I think somebody, I think John had a buddy or something that was staying or we, you know, we had somebody that we showered in their room and all that, but then we, we started driving and, and you know, we, we had a long drive ahead of us too. And that was the whole, yeah. that was, a, you know, a three day drive for sure. And it was already Sunday night. So did, um, uh, and, did yeah. John bonus you out well? Do you remember? Yeah. I mean, I got a percentage of all of his, stuff, did you? you know, okay. Yeah. A, yeah. That's how, that's how I, when I was working for him, that's how I would make my money. Did he uh, did he have Trish around at this point? Was it his girlfriend? Oh no. Okay, no, it was okay. long before this that. Was, okay. Yeah, this was long before that. Um, so how come that's the last race on the vault for results for that year, ninety one? Okay, so he was, I believe, at that point, third in the points. Mm-hmm. Um, after a five one overall yeah. at Gainesville, and then the win there, and everything was, you know, like holy crap. And then he went and um, actually, so on top of rebuilding that bike. Parkway Cycles decides to take that bike, and they want to they want to sell it to somebody or keep it in their vault or something. So okay. they want the national winning bike. Yeah, and they give us another bike. So we do New England stuff. John's kicking butt in New England. Bike has no issues, nothing whatsoever. We go to the third. Round. No, uh, he misses the third round because he broke his collarbone. Okay. Little minor injury, nothing big. So we missed the third round. So now we're down in the points, but still in the top ten. Like it was pretty cool to get there and be like, you know, yeah, number. Uh, this was your forty. I don't remember what number it was. Thirty-five. Time, but thirty-five. Thirty-five. Yep. So, yeah. So he gets you know they're like thirty-five to the starting gate, which is kind of cool in the national moto when you're called out like you know fifth or sixth yeah. or something. It's kind of cool. So um, he goes to so that's at Redbud, and um, he's riding really good before then. Like I said, the shoulder was all healed up and everything. And the, the throttle stuck on uh, what was now the Rocco's Leap, but nobody jumped it back then. Yeah. And, um, and I'm waiting for the race, and I'm just like, where the heck is he, man? Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, from the find out, he, was, he had compound fractured his ankle oh. or lower leg um, at, uh, on, the, on the Rocco's Leap. Yeah, yeah. Oh, damn. So that's what happened. And it was funny because um, never found anything wrong with that bike, with everything. Um, and, and it's funny because about – Two or three months later, when he was hurt, they gave it to one of the other New England guys, uh, Joe Michelson, and he watered himself up pretty bad on that bike too. He said the throttle stuck too, so that bike just—I think it got <laughs> junked at that point. Cursed bike or something, yeah. Yeah, man. But you know, the weirdest thing was is, uh, you know, so I'm stuck out there waiting for him to, you know, the doctor at first says, you know, I don't know, if he's, is he even going to be able to walk on this thing? It's, you know, it's one yeah. of those bad breaks. And the funny part was when I pulled up, I said, hey, um, I'm here to see John Dowd. And he said, oh, sorry, he's getting ready for surgery. It's only family. And I said, well, I'm his mechanic. And this guy goes, well, he doesn't need a mechanic right now, buddy. And I'm like, 
you understand it, Chugga? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of funny. Um, so that takes him out, yeah, for the rest of the year then. Yeah. Yeah. Long, long time. Uh, 92 Kawasaki, Team Green again, or what? What did you guys get? Absolutely, yeah. We, we basically made a decision that he didn't have enough money to go uh, back on, you know, the Nationals running at that point. He needed some time to catch up. So we, uh, Team Green took us back, and, um, you know, at that point, he uh, he, he literally was, uh, was struggling so badly with his leg that he wore a brace underneath his right leg, and he had he wore my boot at the national that year on one leg. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Size thirteen boot on one leg and a size ten on the other. Jeez. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And he got and he got fifth overall. Did he get fifth in ninety two? Yeah, ninety two fifth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was like a seven seven six or something for fifth overall though. It wasn't the no four five. four five four five four five yeah. All right. Um, we thought we were going to do better or something, but. Uh, so yeah, I mean, funny though, like. The dude wins a national, like he's top ten guy. But like, I got a bad injury and I don't have enough money. I need to race locally. I need to stay close to home, right? And then he goes and you guys ride the five hundreds. I imagine after the New England series, or there must have been a break, and he shows up on the five hundred and ninety two and goes eight four five eight three, or sorry, uh, eight four five eight. Uh, the last four races of the year. Yeah, basically. Yeah, like kind of signaling that he's that he's healthy, right? Yeah, for sure, and that was uh, that was on a you know very production five hundred as well. Um, but uh, we did have a ninety three at that point when everybody else was we were supposed to be riding ninety twos. Actually, the first race they were going to disqualify him at okay. first because it wasn't homologated yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oops. So, but we got to take care of. But, uh, but yeah, that was so that was another one of those deals where Team says we can get you a five hundred, but you got to pay for it. It's like you know fifteen hundred dollars at the time or something. Yeah, Mike Craig yeah, yeah, yeah. Used it in a, Mike Craig used it in a photo shoot. That was the only time it had any time on it. So Mike Craig was there at the time too, or like a extra yeah. sport kind yeah. of guy. Yeah, and uh, and um, so John's like, well, I can't really afford that. And I go, well, uh, I'll buy it if you want to race the first few nationals with it, and I can have it. And he's like, all right. So that was a nice. Uh, present for me after the first four nationals yeah really right here you go here's your bike yeah and at that point i was actually fixing them up pretty well so they were like coming back you know four races was really nothing at that point yeah or, you know the year a couple years before that they would have hammered cause nothing yeah uh and then it's <laughs> funny it's funny because i don't remember this part of dowdy's career in 93 you guys go to 125 supercross I guess it like he had already made 250 Supercross mains, some of them, a couple of them, and then uh, in '93 you're like, uh, let's ride 125 Supercross, so maybe we can show people we can ride indoor stuff too. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was all these, you know, DGYs and and all these support teams that were out there, and yeah, I mean, yeah. He, he really was starting to ride a 125 pretty good outdoors, so it was only logical to try to, I mean, try to get some help. There wasn't all these, yeah, it wasn't all these, you know, teams like they have now that. I mean, you know, any of these guys now that turn down a, a ride to get you to the races for free and get motorcycles for free mm -hmm. is, uh, are, are, you know, is, is not the smartest move in the world because that's that's where all your expenses. I mean, you know, if we could have just gotten around to all the racers and not have to pay for the fuel and the hotels and the, all the other stuff, it would be great. You know? It's crazy to so ninety three from from uh, basically from April to Broome. At the end of August in 93, John's never out of the top 10, whether it's 250 motocross, 125 supercross, 
or whatever. He's never out of the top 10. 125 motocross, 250. Like, yeah, like I, just you guys are team green privateer dudes, and he is crushing it. I mean, a Glen Helen, a, you know, Southern California place. He gets fourth. That's that one moto day. It was super hot, right? But, yeah. like, those are amazing results. And I guess that's why Boysen comes calling in 94. Yeah, well, well, see, so in 93, we were doing – Yes, we were, you know, doing everything we could to try to get noticed. First, no more 500 class, so that's why he ended up riding the 125s at the end. Um, we were riding for, which I, I believe, I think if Kenny Watson will tell you that those were that he thought that was still one of the best motorcycles, best looking motorcycles he ever ever saw. So we we took uh, we were involved with um, Tough Racing, mm-hmm. and Tough Racing had a hotel sponsorship through Red Roof Inns. Yeah. So we had the green and red, and then we had the black fender on the back. And I had to cut out every sticker, known the man. I would make them all die cuts and do all this crazy stuff. For That's how I traveled. I just, John liked to drive. I cut out all the stickers. <laughs> okay. All right. So my bike looked really cool back then. Uh, and, and, you know, not the, the goofy way like before with Armor All and all yeah, that stuff. It was yeah. cool looking. It actually, you know, I was starting to understand what clean and cool looked like and not just. And he's 27? Is he 27? What year? What number is he? 27. Yeah, 27. I remember that bike, yeah. Yeah. And his 250 was just – that thing was – that was Tom Morgan built, and that thing, you know, motor-wise, and that thing absolutely ripped. I mean, it was it was awesome. That bike was probably as good as any of his factory bikes motor-wise. You know, yep. Yep. Before. Yeah. Um, our 125 was pretty good, too. It was okay-ish, not, not quite as good. You know, it was, it, was, it, was, it was good enough where he could – bigger guy like him. You know, John always weighed like 175. 180 through his year. So when a 125, he was pretty big. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what the idea was to uh, help. And funny part about that red roof in deal was Mike Healy was the big rider on that team that year. And, and Healy didn't really have that great a result results anywhere that year, you know, a couple races here and there. But, right. Um, and at one point Healy got hurt and, and uh, there was a kid from Michigan that was getting some help from them too. I can't think of his name. Uh, right I think it was, um, uh, Kitch. No, now Kitch was a little bit before that. Okay, it was it was a bigger kid, and man, like he was a rider. He was number fifty-two back then. Oh, uh, uh, Curry, Jeff Curry, Jeff Curry. Yep. So so Jeff Curry would get a room, and then we would get a room, and we'd have rooms for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday every race. Nice. Well, so analog tough. He says to us, he goes, "Hey, listen, everybody's hurt right now except you guys. Um, do you have anybody else?" that'll use these rooms. And if you don't, can you at least go in and mess up all the beds? Because they didn't want, he was told by the, the main red roof in person that made sure that they used all the rooms. So we went from five years of traveling with like six people in a hotel room at night. Yeah. To, we literally had Treadwell had a room. <laughs> I had my own room. John had his own room. And then, Whoever else was there with us would, would we would yeah. you know, like give them a room. You know? You're like so, this is this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, and you know it was great for like getting some free cookies or something. You'd know, be like, well, if you want a hotel room tonight, uh, I need some of those pitter patters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. How, how good you feeling? Um, yeah. Uh, no, that's 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 funny. Are you guys? Uh, are you guys getting along? Are, is are you? Do you fight much? Uh, I mean, look, you're around each other twenty four seven. Like, what? How's the relationship? Yeah, you're talking about John and I? Yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty darn good for the most part. I mean, little things like, you know, I, I tend to 
I tend to uh, I, I tend I had the tendency to to do what he told me not to do kind of thing. So um, like everything you got to remember, everything was he owned everything. Right. So I mean, we had this. So our box van, you'd asked before we had the first we had a brake bread truck that we painted. And then the next one was an old rider truck. Like it looked badass from the outside. It was all this charger and FMF paint paid for the paint job. So they paid, uh, they put FMF on the side. That was like their deal. They uh-huh. paid for the paint job and then they put their, their logo on the side, but we didn't do like the typical round circle FMF. We did like a, uh, you know, like a, like a kind of a, at that time, day glow colors were in. So like a yellow and a green coming up and they mm-hmm. kind of flashed to the back and it looked pretty cool actually. Um, but it was, you know, 165,000 mile motor when we got it. Yeah. Well, you know, John would go back there and, and to go to sleep, and then he'd be like, listen, don't go over, like, you know, 60 tops. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know. And I'd be like, I'd hear a little snoring going on back there or something, and I'd be like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and one night in particular, I was sitting there, and I kind of felt like, I don't know, you ever feel like somebody's watching you? Yeah. Like, I'm like, man, it feels like somebody's watching me. And I look over my shoulder, and he is now out of the bunk, and he climbed down really carefully and was sitting on the bed right behind. Like we had like a sleeper right there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> with this like absolutely pissed face. And he was like, "Are you fucking?" You? Sorry, I don't think it's swear. You can swear. Right. No, it's fine. Are you yeah. kidding me right now? You know, and I'm like, "Why? Why?" You know, I start backing down. I'm like, <laughs> but, you know, I just I wanted to get there, man. It was, yeah, it was just 60 miles an hour. I feel like you can run out of the side of the car. You know? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's but, funny um little things like that yeah but 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 overall through all the years you guys are yeah 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 it's awesome yeah we, we got along really good i mean there was little things like i remember one year you know um like when when trish started getting involved i mean honestly you know i was probably an asshole to her just because i wanted i wanted to race i wanted him to race i felt like yeah you know, no, no chicks kind of thing, you know, right. yeah, thing, yeah, for sure. I could see that. No right. chicks, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we had been so close for so long, him and I, and then all of a sudden there was, this, yep. you know, this person in the middle. I'm like, what are you, what are you what's up? What's up with this? Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. No, I could totally see that. Right. I mean, you yeah. guys are a team, you're taking on the world yeah. and you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and then like, we used to always do this, you know, this every year. I mean, we had all the guys from up there, including, Doug Henry, everybody would come out when we do this male bonding party because we it'd be started doing the male bonding party because everybody had girlfriends at that point, so we never saw each other anymore. Right. You know, and we would do this male bonding party where we would just uh, not well. So the first year we did it when John was with Trish, he told her where we were going. So all of a sudden, like the third bar, we're like, "Hey, we coming in," and then here, you know, there's all the girls. Right. So we had to do like no fly zone, you know, like all right, we're not going to tell anybody where we're going till we're already out. <laughs> so, but uh but yeah it was it was you know typical all, all the guys were the same way i just for me it was like you know i i, I don't know I'm, I'm sure trish probably still doesn't think that highly of me even to this day because i i definitely tried to do everything possible to uh yeah be a jerk i guess you know what i mean i could but, see it so, I yeah i could now, get it yeah for sure yeah. it makes sense I look right? back now it's probably the wrong thing to do but you know whatever but but yeah john and i got along great and all all those years and yeah i, I can remember just a, few, a handful of a few, few few fights here and there and um usually you know usually stuff that uh like we we really had to stop talking after a moto because 
he was already mad at himself. He's a very self-motivated guy. Uh -huh. And he'd come in. I'd be like, man, if you did this and you did that and you did this. And he would just – and it went nowhere. You right. know, he just was mad. So our little rule became – and it was, you know, John kind of brought it up. It was, it was actually a good idea. You know, like he would come in. And even though I wanted to, like, scream at him because he started in fourth and went back to ninth before he finally figured out how to ride mm -hmm. and then went back up to fourth. You know, yeah. he could have won the thing, you know. Um, anyway, I would – We'd just go power wash the bike. So we weren't we weren't allowed to talk until after the wash. And then only if there was a problem, like if he had a transmission or something that we had to, to get yeah. immediately, you know, focused on, then that was different. But yeah, just generally, if everything was fine with the motorcycle, um, then we would go wash oh, wow. before we would talk. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Is that something that you kept like throughout the factory years and everything? Like, oh, absolutely, yeah. Like that, that became the rule, like this, the, the whole thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I said, even sometimes at that, he'd come out like halfway through the wash. I'd be oh, by the way, this is not. <laughs> you like, great. But I mean, you got to wash it before you can do anything. Yeah, anyway, yeah. So, now, uh, 94, why do I remember Kenny G, Kenny Germain, working for him for some races or something? Or am I, mm, am I... Never, never for John. So, oh, so never Kenny... for John. Okay, all right. So no. Kenny was on the team, but not... I, I thought he worked for John at something. Okay, all right. No. So what we did was... We we got the ride for for to ride for Boysen. Yep. And um, Fred Bertucci was kind of the team manager at the time. Fred's a great guy, but he you know he's a little crazy, <laughs> um, which was odd because you had Ivan Boysen, who was the most religious man ever and right. very calm, and you know, and then you had Fred, who very religious too, but it was like a you know loose cannon basically. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, like he would like go test one of our bikes after we built or something no helmet or nothing you just hear him like on the <laughs> track just you know you're like sneakers and shorts and no helmet anyway uh so can't so they needed mechanics and there was a guy up in uh, Cal uh massachusetts named pete hogan uh -huh. i figured i wanted to have guys that i knew pete didn't really like being gone as much uh, he did it for a little while and liked it but so he was scott sheik's mechanic and then uh kenny was dog boysen's mechanic so that's ah, okay. How, all right. Yeah. So that we're all there together, but but yeah, I don't I don't remember. Okay. I mean, yeah. I don't know if maybe Kenny won moto or something. I don't know, one race. I, yeah, sure. I don't know. Maybe I I could be I could be wrong for sure. So, but um, yeah. So you guys are stepping. You know, you're going from Kawasaki to Yamaha, but you're going to a real team now. You're actually getting like, like like you're getting a, the payment from Boysen. John's not paying you anymore. Things like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a big step but, well, up. I tell you what, it sounds great on paper, but. That was a rare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they had a lot of money invested in that Penske shock. Yeah. Um, that was kind of the whole reason that team started was the Penske shock. And uh, they had all this experience in, in, you know, obviously in car racing and it was not trans transferring over into motocross. They had never, like they started using a, a, a dyno, a shock dyno, mm -hmm. and they were trying to replicate the, you know, we had all this, telemetry stuff on there and everything and um basically they couldn't they couldn't believe the um, the distance that the shock would shock shaft shock piston would travel on the shock shaft in in the amount of in the small time yeah time. in the amount of time right right yeah like when you watch the car uh cars go around they have the four shocks mounted and yep. it goes around and re, re, it re they they show the you know they, they basically follows the race that the car just did You'll see the inside will go down when, you know, it's turning a right turn. You can see it kind of moving. And then the outside one hits a little bump and all these little movements everywhere. 
then all of a sudden you get the motocross and it's like in the, the dyno and it was, was kind of crazy yeah oh yeah for sure um yeah this was a, this was a good year for you guys um second at gainesville and then yeah. at some point yamaha gives you mike craig's bike yeah i mean that's basically so we had a big meet actually we had a big meeting um and yamaha knew that john was not happy with what was going on with his bike first yep. of all he got a second like i said everything sounded great on paper um we he told him that so he crashed sometimes really hard on that bike and what it was coming down to is it the the, the it would cavitate i believe i don't know i'm not you know i i, I don't remember exactly the wording they yeah. used but it just couldn't keep up basically they couldn't keep up with the amount of speed that the shock was traveling okay so sometimes it would just have like no rebound left for, yeah. for just one stroke of like not, yep. you know so they had other people testing and stuff and they were starting to come up with the same idea and finally yama stepped in and said go to the damn stock shock and stock forks and stop or we had stop forks already and, and stop screwing around so we that got much better but then ivan was all about the, the dyno numbers okay so ivan's motor would put out like at that point i want to say like 62 or 60 solid horsepower which was like what we ended up with, not even that much on the factory bike. Right, right. But yeah. the power curve was like a couple thousand RPMs was it. It was like it was so sharp. It was ridiculous. Yep. And again, like I told you, John liked to lug his bike. So he was always like, can I change? Can I get something different? I need something that's, <laughs> no, we have built this bike. It is this producing is it. more horsepower than any Yamaha ever. Yeah, yeah. You, know? <laughs> you guys are like, and, uh, great. No one can ride it. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and you know of course Dog had been liked him, but he had been riding his dad's bikes forever, so that's what he liked. Yeah, yeah. So luckily, anyway, Yamaha did actually listen, and um, and uh, they they stepped in on that. So so like the first couple, although he like I said he did do pretty well with the Penske shock a couple times, he was scared of it, and then um, and then with the Mike Craig thing, I mean it was kind of unheard of, I guess. Now now these guys all you know give the, their factory bikes to to uh yeah fill in riders and stuff yeah fill in riders. yeah, yeah. actually like you know j bones team had always had to fill as their fill in rider yeah he yeah. didn't get to ride you know which is probably the smartest thing to do, but, <laughs> uh, um but yeah back then this didn't happen to give a factory bike to somebody no yeah it right. did, did not happen right, right. yeah so what uh what was the first race of that do you remember or do you remember the first time john first, rode it and was like oh my yeah God. so we we I don't remember where we were. I think he, I think we were, so it was, we were going to race it at Troy, Ohio was the first race. Not a good track for John anyway. Hated that place for some reason. Yep. Outdoor supercross and, and I don't know, hard packed. He yeah. just sliding all, I don't know. He struggled. Well, anyway, I forget what we, where we tested. I forget if we test, if he went back to California or not. It's, it's either way. Um, he got a couple of days on the bike before that. And then we went to Kenworthy's and he just rips a whole shot in one of the motos. He went like four, four, I think. I don't know. You probably have the results there possibly, but seven, four, seven, four. So first moto was probably a seven, I would assume. So that was, yep. you know, getting used to the bike and then a fourth, which I mean, for, for him at that track, even later on when he was a total factory rider, he didn't do much better than that there. Yeah. So, um, so that was really good. He was really excited on, on the bike and, and just loved the way it handled, um, loved how light it was. And then the, the power was just really 
uh, linear curve, man. It just had power everywhere. You know, didn't have, a, didn't have more than probably not more than his poison bike, but it definitely yeah. had it everywhere. And and he really really liked it. And um, you know, and at that time, Brian Linus was the mechanic for Mike Craig. Yep. And I was like, I guess I'm out. You know. Right. Uh, and they said, no, no, that's actually not true. Brian's going to build the motor during, you know, um, and then we're going to, you, you and Brian are going to, you're going to do the chassis and then Brian's going to put the the motor in the chassis and it's going to stay in your with your graphics on it. Oh, see, I thought I was just going to ask you about, I thought it got, went back to the, to the factory Yamaha truck each week, but no, it didn't. It, no, it, no, it did. No, it, it, I, I never got to keep it. Oh, but at the races we worked out of the, yeah, got boys and truck. Yeah. Boys and truck with the boys and graphics on. I, that's a pretty so good. That's a pretty good deal by those guys. The pretty nice deal to do that, you know. Absolutely, but I mean, I think they also knew that John and I had been together, and they didn't want to all of a sudden have. Yep. Brian, you know, wow. jump there and. You know. Lunas, Lunas, and Lunas doesn't strike me as a guy that would work really well with Dowdy. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll be hundred percent honest with you. Brian was actually pretty cool to to both of us. I mean, a couple little things here and there, like. I sprayed WD-40 on the foot peg hinges, uh, you know, at one point, or the springs at one point. I, I did that all the time, whatever. And he, and he like yelled at me in front of, like, at a race in front of everybody. And I'm like, really, dude? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's it gonna do either way? You guys change them out every race anyway. <laughs> I, I yeah. sprayed WD-40 on my foot peg springs my whole entire mechanical yeah. career. Yeah, I usually spray a little WD-40 on my hands just so I can stay loose, you know. <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, so he was, but he was, he was fairly nice to John. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, I feel like Brian was um, wasn't thrilled about it because John didn't come with the big flair, the big name. You know, he yeah, working, yeah. He was working for Johnson, Rick Johnson, and Damon Bradshaw and stuff. So you now he's got this John Dowd guy, you know, and he's like, mm, whatever. Well, dude, there's a but, famous story that Kudrowski tells that in '89 they hired Kudrowski. He was a three-digit guy, seven sixty-two, you know. And yeah. and Lunas, they told Lunas to put some phone uh, numbers on the bike for the photo shoot. And if you see the photo shoot, the numbers are all crooked. And <laughs> Kudrowski's like, yeah, because Lunas was so pissed off that he had to put numbers on for an area code guy. <laughs> and I'm like, but but Honda didn't like these numbers look like they were put on by a six year old. Like, go go look at the seven the Honda promotional stuff for Kudrowski's thing. It's hilarious. So yeah, Lunas awesome. Lunas Degaff, right? Um, so, so I guess you, you understand where I'm coming from with that, then. You just never really... Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> and he's probably looking at you and John and just a bunch of hillbillies, and yeah, exactly, right? Just, oh, yeah, I'm sure I, I got some you know butt crack showing <laughs> halfway through one of the days. I'm sweating all over the place. He's probably like, look at this, fat second. <laughs> <laughs> but you win Millville. Like, no mud race, yeah. no nothing. You win Millville. I was there that day, yeah. Well, so we go into the... We actually raced at... GP that year um, in at Bud's Creek. Okay, and I again I know he got fourth overall there. I'm not sure exactly on the motos, but you know again we're talking GPs back then where we had you know Emig was in the thing, um, Albertine, Stefan Everts. I mean there was like seriously ten or twelve really really good guys in that yeah. race. You know at least. Yep. And he got fourth, and you know it was like you know like I think he got four four for fourth overall if I remember right or something like that, but. Yeah, you know, it was like holy crap! This yeah. is like awesome, you know. And again, there was no talk. They, they had already told John, "This is a one-year deal. You're too old. We're, we're, you know, we're starting to look for younger riders. You know, we're, we're good. Don't worry about it. Just go and enjoy yourself." Like literally, that's you know, really much, wow. You know, that's so that's McCarty. McCarty said that, or or Butler, or somebody like that, right? Yeah. 
No, Butler was a, was a, was Emmings mechanic. At True. He wasn't yeah. That now. So right. yeah, it was it was basically Keith. I mean, nice about it, but he's just like he was. He was actually trying to do it to calm John down. He's like, let's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, like, we're, listen, we're, listen. This don't kill yourself. Yeah, don't kill yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 We're going to pick up this, you know, young rider and don't worry about it. Just go out and have fun. So anyway, he goes out there. And then so Millville, I think, was the next round after after that, I would assume. Um, and he gets a second to, to uh, LaRocco in the first moto. And um, I'll, I'll never forget it because it's the only time he ever said that my sign made any difference to him. Usually he'd be like, <laughs> on lap 23, just see. To breathe, yeah, breathe. breathe. It's yeah. like I didn't, I didn't see your damn last sign, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was the last lap, and he was coming by the mechanics area, and I like pushed everybody out of the way and leaned out there as far as I could, and I just said, "It's up to you now," because there was nothing I could do for him. There was nothing Yamaha could do for him. Larocca was right on his butt. Larocca was faster on the whole half of the track that wasn't the sand whoops. Yeah, and it was. <laughs> There was, and you know, he he said he he came out after that like that driving home. He's like, he goes, dude, when you said that, I was like, you know what? He's he's right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And um, you know, I mean, he come, you know, it all depends on the whoops. He came out of the sand whoops, and he was four bike lengths ahead, let's say. And I said, he's got a shot. He's got a shot. This and and uh, you know, again by the end, the Rocco was. I mean, I was probably like six inches behind. Yeah, it was tired, close. But, oh, it was close. I remember yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was uh, what a day. Awesome. Yeah, no yeah. mutter, no one moto, no mutter. This was you beat Mike Larocco out in Matt Millville straight up. Yeah, and and Larocco didn't have a bad start either. He was probably fourth maybe, but not right, like right. You know, came came from thirty second and caught him on the last lap. I mean, he was there the whole race. Yeah, I mean, it was an awesome race. Yeah, and that that, uh, that was cool. I remember that. And remember how hot it was? It was balls hot too. Yeah, it was crazy hot. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Brian Barry on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, presented by the folks at Maxis and Renthal and Cobolinks and Motorsport.com as well. Uh, listen to this commercial break. We'll be right back after that to talk more to uh, Brian Barry, a.k.a. Muffin, about the time he tried to fight me in the mechanics area and, uh, and working at Factory Yamaha and much more. We'll be right back after this. Thanks for listening to the Brian Barry podcast here on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Uh, yeah, hey, don't forget Maxxis Tires, Renthal, all on board with this, as well as Motorsport.com. Go through the banner on Pulpamex.com or Pulpamexshow.com and make a purchase, and we get a small slice of that. Uh, OEM parts, aftermarket parts, they've got it all. And, uh, man, they got a dedicated team of gearheads waiting for you to get – waiting for you to call them to help you out with your order. And whether it's street, whether it's dirt, whether it's mountain bikes, side-by-side, man, they've got something that can help you out. OEM and aftermarket parts, like I said. Free shipping on anything over 79 bucks from the folks at Motorsport. And so, man, they'll make it right. And if listen, if you deal with them and you're not getting the answers you want or something's up, email me using a contact form on pulpmex.com. I will make sure that you get handled so that you can get the best possible service over at motorsport.com. But I'm betting... You don't even need to email me because they're great guys there at motorsport.com. So please check that out. Online needs. uh, They've got it all. Fast shipping. All of that. Thanks to motorsport.com. And the guys at Cobalt Links as well. They first started making lowering links way back in the day for Suzuki DRZ350s. And now they make them from everything from Aprilia to Yamaha. Gain some confidence by having the bike turn a little better. Increase your suspension uh, plushness. And so many things can happen to you if you get that link to get to lower the bike to make it fit you uh, or your spouse better. Uh, it's really, really easy. Just use the code PulpMX at Cobolinks.com, K-O-U-B-A links.com for free shipping and a discount, man. Cobolinks.com, get your bike working right and uh, get a lowering link. Why don't you try it out if you're shorter of stature? And, uh, yeah, they make it for tons of bikes. So thanks to Cobolinks. Thanks to Motorsport.com, Renthal, Maxis, and, of course, 
Fly Racing, their 2022 line is out crushing it as usual. All right, back to Muffin. Welcome everybody to the Fly Racing uh, Racerx Podcast. Brian Barry, uh, thanks, Bar- Brian. Do, do you do you have time to do some more of this, or how how are we looking on time? Are we good? Yeah, no, I'm, okay. I'm like you, man. Whatever, you, whatever you got, I got for you. Awesome, perfect. Thank you. So, okay, uh, he wins Broom, wins Broom. Um, yeah. And then another one that was straight up too. That was just a great race. What do they? How how do you learn? You get the factory ride. How does that work? And and and, and are you in any danger of not going, or or was it? pretty much john and because look no matter how good of buddies you are if they don't have room they're not taking you and, and john's certainly not gonna you know he's not gonna put his ass out to lose a factory ride to not bring his buddy brian so like how does that work for you so nothing really happened throughout the it wasn't like there was some offer at the end of the season but right around i guess i don't know i'd want to say maybe september time i guess so it was you know, maybe maybe a few weeks after the season a couple weeks after the season they they decide um, that they they have John come out and, and they, they fly it out to California and they talk to him. Um, and uh, basically what they felt like was, you know, as, as well as he did with that factory bike, they were going to give him a, give him a chance. And I, and I think it was a little bit of, I think, from industry people, from yeah, yeah. fans. I mean, I think there was a, a little bit of a, you know, I think there was getting to be that little, that Dowdy had some pretty good fans back yeah then and it was because he was this guy you know he was 27 or 28 years old at that point yeah before he had his first ride i mean at that point back in that day we got most guys were gone before that yeah before they got to that old i you know, they, they, i watched an old race a little while ago they're like hannah 27 years old he's the veteran he's the old guy <laughs> yeah and he was the he was abnormal compared to everybody, yes. else. everybody else was done in you know 24 25 absolutely old. yeah yeah so john was starting you know the john, uh, dog thing was it was you know he was getting a group of fans that were very loyal maybe not as big as you know, mcgrath or whatever but yeah. they were very loyal and it was a lot of these dads that had their young boy with them you know the dad was 30 years old and the kid was four and he's like this guy here's the same age as me son and i see i could i i you know, good thing i stopped racing i could have been doing this you know that was <laughs> they, they lived lived kind of vicariously through john but yeah. whatever it was working and and yamaha decided to give him a ride so you know I forget if he gets home and me or calls me, tells me or, or i don't remember that whole part of it but all i remember is a big lump in my throat because i'm like well They've got Lunas already yeah. signed up as a mechanic. I mean, he's got, you know, he's, I'm done, you know. Yeah, Butler's there. Uh, Rosen, uh, uh, Steinbecker? No, no, Steinbecker came in when it oh, was, okay. when Doug Henry got hired. So it was, at that point, it was Brian Lunas, uh, Steve Butler was working for Emig, and it was Bob Oliver was becoming the motor guy at that point, or, the, or basically the builder of anything that wasn't, uh, <laughs> You know that we needed basically. Yeah. Yeah. I would build a damn T T handle if you needed one. Or, you know, yeah, yeah. Come back in like an hour later. Like, Here's your T handle. You like, yep. What the hell? <laughs> um, and then John Rosenstiel was the uh, the suspension guy. So there really wasn't any other mechanics other than Brian. But um, oh, and, well, at that point they had it had been announced that that uh, Kevin Windham was the was the new 125 guy. So, so that was another situation. Remember, Wyndham got signed, so they had Wyndham and Ali Seymour. Right. So, and we we knew that was. Uh, so, you know what? That was. They must have told him that a little. They must have told us that a little earlier because I remember going. I'm trying to think now, I just 
everything kind of runs together. So ninety four. So yeah, because we went we went to Steel City and and we were we ended up being stuck in the mud right next to Kevin's dad, Dwayne, and we were stuck in the mud next to him. And we're like, oh, we're going to be on the Oh yeah, because yeah, he's Cowie, right? Yeah, he's Cowie, yeah, right? Team Green Guys. So anyway, um, I don't remember the timeline. Maybe a little bit off, but the, right. the the lump in the throat was still there. I can tell you that. And um, and uh, phone call from Keith McCarty, and you know I had talked to Keith at those races. You don't need to know. There needs to be. There doesn't need to be any kind of uh, you know, you know, your phone doesn't have to pop up. Keith McCarty calling. I mean. Yeah. His voice, he's got a very distinct voice and, and, and he calls and he says, Hey, uh, now I had, I had never been on a plane at this point. Okay. <laughs> really? And he okay. says, I need you to come out. We want to interview with you. Okay. And I'm like, God. And, but, but in, in my mind, the whole way out there, I still said to myself, there's no way that I'm going to get this job. You know what I mean? I'm just, they're just going through the motions because John did say that he told him he would like to have me still as a mechanic. Right. So I went out there and interviewed told them that I'm willing my biggest thing is and to this day I'm still the same way I will not try to fudge it if I don't know how to do it I'm not afraid to ask um you know I, I said I'll learn your ways I'm not trying to come in here like you know there were some guys back in the day that especially Suzuki they didn't have a they didn't have as much structure as like Yamaha you know, yeah. they were still in box fans and stuff so yeah them guys would all do their own thing and you'd find out later on that the guy was one guy had a you know was cutting his you know, make his boring his carburetor out. The other guy wasn't. That's why they all some one ran good, one ran. Yeah, good. yeah. Uh, Tazanari was telling me stories about that when uh, he yeah. when he worked for Tishner, right? Yeah. And, and that, well, he was a big one for it. He was always doing. He was, you know, he was a little bit of a tinkerer. You know. Yeah, yeah. There's a story about how uh, uh, in eighty in ninety when uh, Bale got hurt at Washougal, Kudrowski got one of Bale's motors that Cliff had been working on and was like, "What the hell? This thing's amazing because Cliff had been going in there. You know what I mean? That was how it was. Yeah, you were right. Yeah, yeah. yeah it wasn't. Uh, it was a lot. I mean, Keith would stories of getting popped with like the bracket was on the wrong side and stuff. Like, you know, we kind of missed all that that fun. You know, our stuff yeah. was all pretty standard when we got it. You know. Yeah, for sure. But, so, uh, but anyway, yeah. So I, that's probably the right thing to say though, Muffin. For sure. Like, hey, I'll learn your way, man. Like, uh, you know, I'm 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 on board. Teach me, right? Yeah. Well, that's that's exactly what they ended up saying. Is they said, listen, we don't want to break up a good chemistry. Um, we really like the fact that you're willing to learn and, uh, and we feel that we're good teachers. And that was, I remember part of it, you know, exactly how it was, I don't know, but I remember them saying that they feel like they're good. They're going to teach me the right way. And I said, okay. And, um, and then they told me what my salary was. And, you know, at that point I had been making like $250 a week and I was like, can you repeat that one more time? How many zeros were there? Holy crap. Like it was pretty, you know, it was not, a, not unbelievable, not, but I mean, Hey, it was, it's probably, it was probably you know around I mean? 40 grand, right? I think it was like a little closer to fifty, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, from going from like uh, you know, <laughs> from like fifteen grand to like fifty, 50 yeah. But yeah. but you got to live in California. You got to live in California. Well, that is true. Um, that and that was the other thing they said. Well, okay, so you're you're in. Okay, you're gonna fly home, and then a couple weeks later, we're gonna have you guys back out here for testing, and then we need you to move here by. Uh, before Christmas. Yeah. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so, but anyway, that's that, you know, I had the deal and my, then asked my now wife, still the same person, still married, uh, five years coming up here in nice. September. Nice. I asked her, I said, well, I need to move to California for my work. Um, and I'd like to see if you'll come with me. And when she did, I asked her 
to Merrick. Oh, nice. Do you yeah. remember where you lived by the Cypress, or did you live in the inland area? I lived in Anaheim when I worked there. We we lived when we first moved there. We moved to um, to uh, I don't know. I don't remember Fullerton. Oh, Fullerton. Yep, Yamaha. yep. So we lived all around Yamaha. There, we we lived in Fullerton. We lived in Yorba Linda was really nice. We lived there for a couple of years. Yep. Um, we lived in Garden Grove, which was really fine. We we're close to the ocean. Our apartment was really nice. But yep. if you drove right, you could go to the beach and everything was cool. If you drove to the left. It was like little Saigon or Chinatown or something, <laughs> and it was not cool. First of all, the stores sold the weirdest food. And, and an- dead animals and stuff and everything. Yeah, yeah. Man, it was crazy. Uh, and then you get looks. looks. You know, I walk in there like you know, Sasquatch, and then you get, you, these guys were all giving me these really strange looks, and they were like 5'2", 112 pounds, and they probably could kick my butt. But yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, so again, John Rosenstiel legendary mechanic for Glover turn suspension guy. You got Bob yep. Oliver, like you said, super smart dude, been around forever, worked, you know, yep. uh, and Keith team manager. Like I, and these are all guys I worked with too. Like, dude, I was just drilling them on, on old stories, like every day at lunch. Like, I think they probably got mm-hmm. tired of me asking them about Hannah and Bradshaw and RJ and Dogger. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think they got tired of me grilling them every day. So uh, absolutely. Well, you know, the funny part of that stuff is, is like, you know, like Bob Oliver doesn't like to tell the story, but he was the guy working on Johnson's bike when Johnson broke a wheel and yeah. lost the championship that year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's, you know, I mean, you, you know, I I was there for almost a year before somebody told me about the Keith McCarty thing. I knew that it was them that did the let Brock, yeah. let, uh, yeah. Brock buy thing, but I didn't realize it was Keith. You know, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, yeah. That's, huge part of moto history you know what i mean for sure no absolutely um, and i and i used to just ask uh, john r about glover stories left yeah. and right and he would tell me about glover how cheap he was with bonuses and stuff. I, was, I know right did he oh. ever tell you the one when he he put the screwdriver through the seat no no oh, he was so mad at brock and brock started walking away and and he was like god damn it and he, and he was like oops you know, like he had a little bit of a temper and, yeah and he had the screwdriver all the way through the seat and it actually went through the top of the airbox. Oh, shit. He, uh, he told me Glover got him a be- six pack of beers around the world for a championship bonus one year or something. Yeah. Well, and then he had a deal with, with McCarty working for Bob Hannah and McCarty was him like cars. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. I had to give him a Ferrari or something. Right. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean, I think he bought, I think he gave him the down payment on his first house. Yeah. Yeah. I know, which I found funny because at one time, Keith Villeman or someone had said Keith was like, "Don't bonus the mechanics out." And I'm like, "Wait a minute, yep. M- Hannah gave you a ton of money, you know?" I didn't want to say that, but that's exactly the same thing. Like John came out one day and he goes, "Well, we had a meeting, and you know, Keith said we don't have to pay the mechanics, but I'm gonna still give you." Know, he he paid me in the factory level. I think he gave me like ten percent of, of everything, but like AMA money. Yeah, yeah. So like it was awesome. You get a little thousand dollar bonus for. Yeah, for a uh, you know a, a good race or something, you know, it would be pretty nice. I uh, I never really got along with Keith very well. I was there for three and a half years, and uh, I just I didn't like the way he managed. I felt like he look. I mean, I would I would talk to him today. It's not like I you know I hate the guy or anything, but yeah. I just he was. Uh, I found like his management style was very forceful, very authoritative. It wasn't a lot of back and forth. It was you know, hey, just do this, you stupid parts changer. You know what I mean. Uh, yeah. I felt that kind of attitude from Keith when I was there, and I was frustrated at times. Well, it, I, I agree with you on that, and, and you know, I, I loved Keith 
in, in certain times, like what I didn't like. And it's funny because I've been in a job interview before and they asked me, you know, take one uh, manager that you had and, you know, say what the best best manager in their style was and the worst. And and I would say Keith was kind of Keith, Keith taught me some things that I still use to this day as far as like, you know, just just the way of handling things. Like one of the things I when I was a manager at a store here at a motorcycle dealership, when you get somebody that would come up and complain, you know, Keith's situation, Keith would say, if you're going to come up here and complain, have a solution first. Mm -hmm. I will listen to any complaint you have, but I just want to know the solution that you think you are going to come up with. Right. And and when you, when you go back and you sit there and you go, I'm going to go up and complain about this and you go, well, how can we fix it? And you really start giving it some thought. You go, well, geez, maybe, maybe this, this Mm -hmm. or you come up with a great idea. One or the other. One or the other. Right. Yeah. But what I didn't like about Keith is you never knew the 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 mood he was going to be in. Like, um, you know, in, in particular, Ali and I would <clears throat> once in a while we'd go out and drink uh, a little bit. And um, <laughs> you know, there was you know back then uh, there was a, I don't know, there was a race somewhere and and uh, we had been out at a, at a bar and of course we got you know scolded when we got back. Um, Keith said, "I heard you guys get back." And he was all mad and wouldn't talk to us like the whole day and stuff. It was kind of kind of felt like a jerk all day because i was like man shouldn't have been out last night or whatever. Yeah. But we, so we were a bit, little more careful after that so we snuck out with this so then he says so that was the one night so then and then like during the week he tells us you know, if you guys are going out you know i'd like to be invited too i like to go out and have fun and all that stuff too so we're like all right so bye and we're gonna go out to this pool bar and maybe a strip bar i'm not sure but anyway <laughs> we we call him yeah and he just told us that he would like to be included in this stuff. And he just used it to be mad at us again. <laughs> you know, you're like, like, oh, don't stupid. Yeah, <laughs> no, for that one. Jeez, you know? uh, like, yeah. You know what? Now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Away from work, like having some beers with him. He was cool. Yeah. You're right. He was cool. But like, man, Steve, I'll tell you the first, the first couple of months. So they hired Anna to be Kevin Windham's like mental. Yeah. Yep. Right. So we were going out to dinner, which was for me was like crazy, right? Because right. you know, I, I I raced we raced the Canada a couple of Canada Canada arena crosses with McGrath in our box band and stuff driving around. He was a young one twenty five, you know, kid at the time on uh, you know, Team Green or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Lampson, you know, hey Steve, you know, whatever. Right, all those right, guys, right, right. although great racers and respect them, I'm saying I, I just we were there with the guy. Yeah. Yeah. To me, like each you know, Rick Johnson. Uh, Hannah, those guys were were when I was riding. That's who I would be in my head. I'm like, I'm yes, like I, I agree. Turner. I agree. You know, yeah, I, RJ called. I, I, RJ called me like a month ago, Brian, yeah. and I'm just like, I can't believe fucking RJ is calling me. I cannot yeah. believe Rick Johnson is calling me. You know, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, I'm, I'm with so you. That, so, so here we're at dinner, and we got I got Hannah sitting two seats over from me. Well, actually, one time he was like right next to me. He's a German folks. Like blew my nose at the table or something, so he moved over. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he he we would they would mess with Kevin, and, and it was all instigated by Keith and Bob Hanna. Like those two guys must have been a trip on the road. <laughs> and they tell all the stories about you know uh, Bebo Forte and, and them three, and it seemed like they're always in trouble with something. Yes, but, fireworks or or oh, pranking yeah. or bags of poop or something. Yes, everything. Yes, man. I mean the, the story that Keith tells about like the Keith and we, again, you could have a whole podcast on Keith McCarty, um, Bebo Forte stories about 
the time when he's like un- undoing the motorhome, he's like letting the poop out of the motorhome in the thing, and he doesn't have it hooked up yet. He goes, "Not yet." And Bevo says, "Okay." And he turns it on, and stuff squirting everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. They would take Wyndham's credit card, and they would tell the girl. So that they they'd say, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna put all the credit cards in. Whatever one the waitress takes, that's who's gonna pay for dinner." Yeah. And you, know, you got to figure Wyndham just signed a contract for probably three hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something right. at that point, right? right. I mean, whatever. Um, and uh, and then they and then every time Hannah or Keith would go to the bathroom, they tell the girl, "Okay, you're going to take the I don't know, whatever the American Express that says Kevin Wyndham on it, right?" Yeah. And we'll give you a big tip if you do that. So like five weeks in a row of <laughs> dinners for the whole team. <laughs> Wyndham's paying. Keep in mind, Wyndham is literally 16 at this point, yeah, right? Yeah, And he's, he's like, golly gee, I lose every time. It's crazy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and, and everybody's just keeping a straight face like, oh, my God, poor yeah. kid. Poor but, kid, yeah, know, yeah. I mean, what, what is, you know, six weeks in a row cost him, what, $800 maybe? Drop in the bucket, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, it's good. Legendary crew there for sure. And I had – some of the dumbest questions for Bob Oliver when I got there, and and he he was pretty patient and pretty funny at times, and and uh, he was he was awesome. He was great. So I remember yeah, when but Steve, that's because I broke him in for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I mean, do you ever? Do you have, did you ever hear? Did they ever tell you the story about the time I broke the cases in half? Oh, I think I did hear this one on the press. Yeah. Oh, I did hear this one. That's right. It did come back to me. Yeah. 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 You. Uh... Boy, I, I stood there for ten minutes, looking against the wall, just going like, "How am I going to tell him?" <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> How am I going to break this to him? Uh, it was terrible. Oh. Yeah, I was trying to pass a like a um, counter shaft bearing in the case, and uh, we heated it, and it wouldn't go in. So he said, "I just use it on the press." And we had a press at Dowdy's workshop, and it was a hand little yep. attic jet you know yeah and this thing was like you put your foot on it and it's like and i didn't brace it underneath first of all yeah so as i was pressing down on it with my foot i didn't realize I was putting that much pressure on it you know yeah and it's uh it's basically taking the cases they're starting to bend a little so it's getting tighter instead of easier yeah yeah and i'm like god dang this thing is not moving <laughs> looking at it and it just all of a sudden it just snapped in half and and it scared the sh- crap out of me, man. Uh, and, that, and was this and early on? Was this early on? Was this early on? Do you remember? Oh, yeah, this was like this was like building our first test bike. Oh, so yeah, you're yeah. you're just like oh fuck my life, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Bob, you know, Bob's like, well, I got I got a few things knocked off the list here. I matched the cases on Dowdy and Emig's bike, and I matched this, and I, you know, and that's he was matching the cases before yeah. I put them at the credit. Oh. I'm like, um, Dad's gonna need his rematched. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I I I took the wrong spokes and wrong nipples because there was 18 boxes back there, and I took mm-hmm. the wrong spokes and nipples to build a new wheel, and I got it all done, and you know I I got it all laced up, and then I I couldn't quite get the last few nipples in because it was the wrong length, <laughs> and I was like, hey Bob, and he's like, yeah, I'm like, uh. I got a buddy that uh, is building a rim, and uh, he grabbed the uh, he grabbed the 017 spokes, uh, and then I I think he's supposed to grab the 018 ones, and and then uh, I and Bob was like, "Yep," and I'm like, "What? What should I tell my buddy, Bob?" Bob's like, "You should tell him he's a fucking idiot." 
Like and I'm like, oh, perfect. There goes a whole, you know, an hour worth of work as I take the whole wheel back apart or whatever. So absolutely, good, yeah. good times for, for, for Yamaha. But on the track, yeah. Dowdy's doing well, man. 250 indoors and out. And uh, he's a top 10 guy most of the time. Um, so things are things are going well uh, for you guys there on, on the track anyways. And, yeah, for sure. And in '96, he gets he, he '96 135 Supercross. He he uh, drops down to that. Lots of lots of controversy about that at the time, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Where people are like, "Hey, man, he's he's way better. He should, why is he doing run, ride 125s?" Because little known little known fact nowadays, you can be 30 in there and no one questions you. But back then, it was you know literally just for kids, right? For for rookies, you know. So. Um, well, I mean, we so again after that first year, and I know you're, you're not going to like this story, but. Your boy Tim Ferry was being talked about for the for the 125 ride, and I and we we had already I knew that he could that John could still ride the 125s, and I I basically said John they're gonna they're not gonna re-sign you unless you tell them you you will be okay riding a 125. Oh really? Oh so you kind of knew what was the heads up kind of? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. got a little bit of inside scoop, and and it and it um you know they sat they they pondered it for a little bit mm-hmm. before they actually but um. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, it ended up being a thing where John went from class to class every year. And yeah. A couple of years there, like one, one of the years, I think he could have, you know, the, he raced the 250s and was like second or something. And then he was ready to win the next year for sure. He, he, I think he was he was beating Doug Henry at our practice track when we were back in New England. He was really riding good. And, and, and they moved him to the 125. And I was like, oh. Yeah. And then that was that little redheaded kid. I forget his name. Yeah, he's pretty, Florida kid, Florida guy. Yeah, yeah. Little yeah, Florida kid with freckles. Yeah, that kid. Uh, we just did a uh, a, a, ra- a raceables, re raceables with Dowdy maybe like uh, three weeks ago. Weege and I do this mm-hmm. podcast, and we called him about Southwick '98, uh, which was yeah. uh, a real mud race. But you guys, uh, he dominated, man. He crushed it, one uh, one on the day. Beat Ricky yeah. straight up, even though Ricky's bike broke one moto. John had already been in front of him at that point. And, uh, again, I was there that day. It was pretty cool to see the locals just freaking out. Oh, yeah. They, they, they lined the track. You can tell where he's at, anywhere on the track, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they did kind of move him around a little bit, right? And then um, – so well, you- they, they always told him he was – you know, every year the same statement was, you're lucky to have a ride because of his age. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't really deter John. He was like, all right, I don't care, whatever. You know, how many, how many zeros are on that check? Cool, I'm in. You yeah, know, so. yeah. I mean, it's gravy for him. He'd be back in the junkyard, right? Like back in the construction. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. And, and uh, you know, the, the thing was too is is it, it you know there's some records like he he's got uh, wins and all in in three of the classes. I mean, I don't do the 500s anymore. He won a Supercross. He won a 250 National. He won a 125 National. Won a 125 Supercross. Not a lot of guys that that do all that. Um, you know, he, he's done a lot of things. He won a championship in the 125. So yep. it's been good. But I, I think if he would have stayed on the 250s outdoors, I think, you know, he, he might have been able to win one or two outdoor championships there. You know? Were but, you uh, were you ever going to leave or were you there the whole time? I mean, I know we'll get to when you did leave, but that, that during that stretch of Yamaha times, did you? Were no you, way, man. Yeah, you no. were there. You were in. Yeah, I mean, at, at that point, I was, you know, I, I, I couldn't get enough of it. I mean, we did. One weekend, one year, I think we did forty-two weekends. Uh, we were gone for different race, you know, for either overseas races or yep. or the nationals and the supercrosses and stuff. And I would have gone the other ten if I could have. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, were you were you stoked when they did not make uh, Dowdy ride the uh, works four stroke and, and and Henry Henry had to ride it? 
Well, you, you, so you know, Doug was hired to do or was planned to do that because of his testing abilities. John was never a very good tester. Right, John right. Would be like, hey, Doug, what pissing did you like? Oh, me too. You know, so <laughs> um, Doug was very like he would sit there and ponder and you know this was different and that was different and you know he he you know he was pretty amazing. Like he Doug, a lot of there's many people that would have rode that bike that would have not have the bike would not have been as good as quickly. And I'm mm. not saying that they may not have, they might have won on it yeah. just like he did because it yep. was a great bike Yep, that 400, but the, but he made it better than it was like some of the changes that he did and some of the work that Pete Steinbrecher had to do to, yeah. to so that thing was a disaster at first, you know, like, Oh, for sure. I remember yeah. every time at the Supercross track, the mid pipe on that thing would just blow out in the middle. I mean, it would scare the crap out of you because you'd be like <laughs> going through the whoops and blah, ha, ha. It would just make this noise. You'd be like, "Oh my god, what was that?" You know. Yeah. And then you look expecting a yard sale, and Doug's just like riding off the track with no midpoint. Was it you, or was it Allie, or who was it that put uh, Pete's straight gas in their two-stroke at Gainesville? Um, I don't remember. And the bike blew up on the line, and and they had they actually held it for for to switch a motor out. This was Gainesville '97. Okay, so. I don't remember that one. You don't remember that one? Okay. I remember the the one in Hangtown where where we had a motor swap. Um, That was was a thing of beauty. It it broke on the parade lap. We got it back, and AMA said, you got 10 minutes, and and we had it done. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Because uh, the story I got, obviously, the Yamaha, we used the same cans you guys did, the little (laughs) metal cans, right, for fuel. And, yeah, the story was, and I don't remember who it was, but – you know, it just in the rush of things, somebody grabbed Pete's gas, you know, and put it in their two-stroke. And then I just can't remember which guy it was. And then the bike seized, uh, you know, on the parade lab. Like, there's no oil. Well, Steve, I would never do anything like that. But, um, no, I, I probably would do something like that. But um, I didn't. That was not me. Right, right. Um, was there a race? Now, that 98 Southwick comes to mind because Dowdy was just, you know, next level and it's hometown crowd and beating Ricky. Ricky never lost at Southwick. Uh, was there a race, though, or two that stood out for you, though, Brian, uh, working for Dowd? Well, I mean, you, you got to go back to there, – there's two for me. I mean, obviously, the first the first win at, at uh, um, Millville was amazing. Again, like I said, just the feeling yep. that we had and all that. Um, the win that he got in the – when he won the motor, he won the actual race the day of his 125 championship. Um, that was a huge one because, uh, he literally was, you know, I mean, David Villeman had been beating him four races in a row, probably mm-hmm. and not, not winning every race, but beating him. Yep, yep. So it closed the gap down to, uh, literally like a couple of points. And, um, you know, John's John and got a great start and was leading the race. And I remember all the, all the McGrath and them guys, all the, you know, all the Omaha 250 guys were waiting on the line and. He came around and, and so Kevin Windham used to do the uh, the what was that legs over and oh heel clicker yeah heel clicker yeah and John because he was because he was old and he just wouldn't get his feet together they would call it the horseshoe yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so he comes over the jump in the middle of the race and you remember John would never I mean, finish line one handed like one finger like salute thing would be the only thing he would do with, yeah. uh, as a, a win. Um, he was going, he went over the, the big triple on the, on the side of that track and he did the, he did his horseshoe. Damn horseshoe. <laughs> I remember the, them guys were, you know, all them guys were just laughing and stuff at that. But I mean, that was, 
that was huge to win that thing. And especially, like I said, Villeman, you know, who, who knew Villeman was going to be as good as he was after that? Yeah. But, you know, uh, I mean, at that point, you know, it's definitely being done uh, five and, races in a row. And we talked about this with, with Dowdy at the, on that podcast. Uh, in 98, you guys are off the podium twice in 12 races. But, of course, Ricky wins the title, right? He's, he's even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's great. John should be a national champion. You know what I mean? He had a terrific year. But, yeah. Well, if you really look back at John and – so John had – well, he was second to LaRocco one year. I know that for yeah. sure. He was second to, Mar- to Carmichael one year. I know that. And I believe he was second one other time. To Fro, right, in 97? Well, he was second to Defro. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't know how the hell I forgot that one. But So, yeah, you're right. So there's – you know. Very, very good possibility of three championships right there. Yeah, yeah. And then, but when you talk to Kevin Wyndham, you know, like the fact that him and Carmichael speak to each other or speak to <laughs> is crazy because he would be probably a seven-time champion. Yeah. I mean, Carmichael yeah. has has had his number ever since they started. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, and Wyndham was a girl. I mean, Wyndham was as fast as anybody. I mean, oh. shit, he was incredible. Were you, you know? were you there for Wyndham's uh, and McCarty's thing? At, I think it was Broom at the end of 98? Uh, yeah, I was there, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Truck was a little tense. Yeah, and I mean, you know, John, Trish was involved in that one, too. I mean, she, Oh, she was? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, she had her – she had put a diaper, I believe, in the, in the box. So there was, like, tension from both of, or all of the wives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keith was being very nice to them. They were, you know, and it's one of those things, you know, like, did you really put the diaper, dirty diaper in the race trailer trash basket? Like, why would you do that? Like, yep. was that like a little like, yeah, yeah, you don't want us in the truck. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who knows? Yeah, yeah. But um, it, it was, uh, you know, it, it was getting, it, it honestly was, things, things have changed nowadays. I think most of these riders kind of get it with the fa- social media and everything. But at that point, like, you know, Dottie was a young girl at that point, you know, Kevin, Kevin's wife. And, and, and she was, you know, here's this kid that's a superstar all of a sudden. Right. I mean, so, so yeah. young from a small town. I mean, everything. And, you know, he loved Dottie, man, but Dottie was, she would, all she could see was these young girls wanting his autograph and stuff. And it was hard for her to, to realize that they were simply just wanting his autograph. Yeah. You know, not yeah. every single one of them wanted to, you know, leave with him after the race. Yeah. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, but there was no like social media beforehand. There was no lessons to be taught. Nobody really sat down and said, "Okay, this is what's going to happen to you." So I mean, hey, you know, it's tough. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. But, no. For sure. For sure. What a what a what a great team over the years. Because you had Doug, Dowdy, Wyndham, Yogi was there in '97. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you guys all won races one year. Everybody won. Uh, yeah. Super super powerful team. Well, we had those guys got along so good. That team you're just talking about right there, Doug Henry, John Dowd, Kevin Windham, and Yogi. Yep. Really, truly enjoyed each other. Right. Um, and not like, a, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, I'm so happy that Joe won. And yeah. in the background, you're like mother effing him, you know? Right. <clears throat> and they got to the point where, I don't know if you remember this, but like Keith would have them do hot laps together. And I mean, you could just see the other factory guys like, like these guys are all going out and trying different lines on a hot lap. And like they were a true team at that point. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, like they, they really were before all these, you know, GPS things that show you that the outside line is faster than the inside and all this. Yeah. Practice. Yeah. 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 They were doing that on their own. I mean, they were, they were kind of doing it in their own, 
cavemanish kind of way, you know, like they would go out and try different lines. Yeah. Um, so the 99 comes and mm-hmm. did you know that John was going to lose his ride? Did they, did you have any idea? Did you, did they ask you to stay? Uh, how'd that go? The Yamaha departure? Well, they, um, I didn't know for sure he was going to lose his ride. Keith had told John that, you know, he thinks this was you know pretty much going to be the last year. I mean, mm-hmm. at that point it was, I don't know, maybe 32 or 32 years old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. considering, you know, the, the year that he got the first ride and Keith said, yeah, this is just a one run. Right, right, right. He told him this is a one year deal. And, you know, we're talking what seven years later or something. Yeah. Like don't that. even think about coming back in 95. Yeah. Meanwhile, then he, he doesn't leave yeah. till 99. Right. Yeah. So in 99, when he said that, we said, yeah, he's not really going to do anything. But anyway. Um, yeah. So he, he did not. Uh, so the, my, my, thing and i look back and i go what in the hell was i thinking so anyway, they offered me two two things they offered me to be villaman's mechanic which uh i couldn't do because i hated villaman and i don't hate him now <laughs> yeah, yeah i just hated him then yeah uh i don't even know villaman to be honest with you that well i mean all i know is uh he was this french kid that would come and follow john around the track and watch him and it would piss me off and even john was getting a little annoyed with him he's like his he used to jump through the whoops and John would just throw the jammer. Yeah. And we'd come out and he would just keep, he would just, I mean, power to him, man. He would just keep pulling him behind John and trying to do that. And he couldn't, he couldn't figure out how to get through him without jumping. Right. So, but it would, you know, John would be like, I want to pull off. I don't want to follow me through the whoops, you know, and all this kind of crap. Right, right. So, and then, you know, of course, the French thing, I mean, they, they yeah. always, they, you know, they don't have the, they don't do the deodorant thing. So, you know, it's like, God dang, this guy smells, geez, you know. I think he's pretty Americanized now. Oh, yeah, yeah. He jokes about it now. Yeah, he jokes about it. Right. But, yeah, he, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm down six from Villem and I can still smell him, you know, but whatever. I mean, poor guy. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't really know him all that well. But, yep. but we, we hated him just because he was racing against John. And um, and uh, so so at that point when they say, well, you, you know, do you want to work for Villem? I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> you know, I'm not right. doing that. So they go, well, are you interested at all in learning how to – do the suspension. John R is going to be retiring in a few years. And, and man, like a dummy, I was like, hell no, I don't want to do that. I, I didn't see oh, myself. Yeah. That would have been a great chance. Yeah. A great, a good oh, opportunity for sure. I'd right. be good at it too. I, I, I really think cause I, you know, I can see a lot going on with the bike and stuff. But I just, I didn't want to be buried in a damn solvent all the time. And I just right. oh, I didn't want to do it. You know? Dumb move. Cause I mean, shit, I could, I could have my own business now. I could, I could, you know, go yeah, work for yeah. teams nowadays or, you know, they all got suspension. I don't know, whatever. But, um, so, but I didn't turn anything down at that moment. I was waiting to see if there was something out there. And uh, Suzuki had just hired Damon Huffman. And, uh, well, the other offer was I could go to Cowie and be John's practice bike mechanic. Oh, okay. So they did have something for you, but just practice bike. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know, Right. I don't blame I'm, you for I'm that. Yeah. I'm the king over here, man. I can't be doing that. No, I, I didn't really feel that way. I just didn't. I mean, it yeah. wasn't a great deal. Right. Um, but they were nice about it anyway. And then so so then Damon Huffman needed a Suzuki and Lee McCullum or Leroy. He you know he he said I can you know put you together with Roger and and uh, so yeah I got I got that deal and Roger liked it because he wanted somebody that was a uh, a little bit louder you know like because mm-hmm. uh, Damon's so quiet you know? right right. So, um, yeah, it worked out really, really, really well. It was just odd because Damon was like, Damon was the nicest guy, man. And his, his wife, Heidi was 
she was or girlfriend at the time. She was the sweetest girl, very pretty. I mean, she was they were really cool. But Damon, like, if I remember the first that John has a beefy chest like he's like for a motocross guy he like he's like built like, like yeah you know, like pretty good you know and then damon's sitting there one day and he's got these new jerseys he's like oh what do you think of this jersey he's like gonna put it on he's he's got small hands and he's got like no chest right yeah know? he's I'm a like, string bean no there's nothing yeah. there yeah i'm like how is this guy go around the track <laughs> and move up and down with the force of the motorcycle that movement is bench press right a mini bench press yeah all day long and he has no chest muscles you know but uh anyway that's just kind of a joke. I just remember that's what I remember the first meeting of with Damon and uh, but we golfed together sometimes a little par par three course over by by Suzuki and he was a really good he, golfer. And, he was the easiest guy on a bike, right? He's just super easy on oh a bike. My God. Yeah. Well, so the funny part is, is John was easy on the motor itself, but but he hammered the graphics because he just held on like a because you know, he yeah. was always hanging half off the bike. Right. Sometimes. Damon, I literally, I probably could have gone six races with the same graphics if it wasn't a factory team. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I would literally be like, do you do you actually touch your knees to the uh, gas tank at all? <laughs> yeah, I heard two of clutches. Like he's just so easy on clutches. It, no, uh, yeah. yeah, all that stuff. Like uh, if I would have had a DNF that year, I would have been embarrassed. Right. Honestly, other you, than like you know something fell off or something. Yeah. Did you enjoy working with Roger? I, sometimes Rog can be you know a little aloof, a little bit. I, I loved Roger, man. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I feel like back to Keith, you know, I feel like Keith being a mechanic all the years, I would think he would have the mechanics back. And he really didn't a lot of times, you know, like like right. some of those things, like the mechanics wear gloves and Dunlop tires. They weren't allowed to do any kind of practice. And he went to Suzuki. Everybody got, you know, you, you if you, if, if Joe, if, uh, you know, Robbie Raynard won, Robbie was on the team that year. Mm -hmm. We all got a little bit of the mechanics wear money. Yeah. and dunk money, whatever. If you're a rider one, you got the bump. I mean, everybody got shared. That was a, a true team. And Roger was, again, like we were talking about before with Rick Johnson and uh, and Hannah Dame, and, yeah. and Bob Hannah. I mean, to, to sit there and like the first day I'm working with Roger, and he's like, he kept he would lose his damn reading glasses everywhere. So I would constantly I'd be walking through like, and I'd see him sitting on the lathe. I mean, Roger did a lot of the of the porting and you know he built a lot of these bikes this is not some yeah. guy that sat in an office somewhere i mean he tinkered all day long so he'd leave his glass like come on and be hey you need these and he'd be like oh yes thank you muffin you know and, <laughs> and uh it was it was cool i loved working for him man and, and ian harrison was was you know his right hand man not really at that time he was still working for albie but i mean he was you know he was uh awesome as, as well and, and very very good mechanic but uh but roger was I loved working for Roger. He had his moments, you know, there's no like anybody, I guess, but he was uh, really, really cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So you liked it. You enjoyed it. You got along with everybody and, and it was good. Yeah. And then and you were, you were definitely on your own more at Suzuki though. It's like, like our race bikes. I remember they, they, the base, okay, all the stuff's over at the shop that you need to build the bike. And, uh, here's the rate, here's the work stuff that you get. You get these two brakes, like, you know, like, like, you know, yeah. Yamaha was like the, everybody stood around in a circle and we all built everything for everybody. Right. Right. Um, not the motors and stuff. But yeah. I mean like all yep. the brakes and everything. He was like, everybody had their like little, little pack rats, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Get, yeah. You know, and Leroy, Leroy had shit from two years before that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he, he'd, he'd be like, Hey, do you have a, you know, banjo bolt, uh, aluminum banjo bolt? I broke mine, man. It's all, I don't have any more. And he'd be like, let me go into my vault. And he'd be like, Shriek! and there would be like, a, you know, <laughs> you'd have one. So, 
pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I, it definitely. And Leroy, yeah, Leroy knows where all the bodies are buried at Suzuki. He's been there for so long. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the next year was Danny Smith? Yeah, unfortunately, it was Danny. I, I love Danny, but, uh, yeah, that was that didn't go so well for us. Um, did you not get along with him well? or? or... Oh, I, I love Danny, man, and I, I feel terrible. It was it's just at that point I was really looking to get more into the business side of motorcycling and yep. I actually asked Roger if there was some sort of a uh you know team assistant or something that I could do or something yep. and yep. of course he was like muffin you gotta go work on that bike you know and yeah 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 but um Smith goggles had a job opening and um and you know I just I really couldn't pass it up to be honest with you I uh and then I you know to tell Danny I, I loved him and his family and most passionate guy out there, the nicest guy. But I mean, I, I kind of had to move on, you know. Yep. So kind of sucked the timing because I left him like I don't know, you know, third race for the Nationals, and then Southwick comes up that year, which is I don't know, man, maybe like one or two races after that. Yeah. Yeah. His brother gets killed in like a, an accident at the house working on a a, a, a foundation for a house. Yeah. And it fell over on him, and you know, and it was like, and I went over to like talk to him. He was, you know, he, he was a mess, and he ended up winning the Southwick National that year, if he you did. remember right. But, yeah, yeah, he did. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just not, not good. Not good. Did you, did you like the Smith gig? Yeah, another one of those ones that was stupid. I didn't stay with it. Yeah, I loved it. So how did the act different? How did the activate thing come together then? Kind of from that. Um, so. Yeah. I knew how much we were spending on, you know, sending the sending me to all these races and all this stuff. And then they wanted to do a uh, a support rig at the time. They wanted to have something like, uh, you know, like they have now, where you know, yeah, it goes to all the races. And we were doing budgets and stuff, and it was pretty expensive. And at that time, there was another company called Competition Direct that did like Bridgestone tires. Yeah, Scott Swinart, Rental bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Scott was, uh, had gotten into some financial troubles at that point and was not going to be doing it the next year, so I knew that. And I thought I could get Smith on board as well, so I already had, like, the, uh, I already had, like, the rental handlebars, the mechanics for gloves, and I thought, Smith, and I can, I can work off of that, you know? Yep. Um, so, basically, that's how that, that whole started. And I never got the Smith deal. They ended up doing their own truck on their own, but, but it was just, a, it was really the idea, I wanted to take what, competition direct if you remember that truck never looked very cool um it was mainly just there for helping the riders with some product yeah and i wanted to have more of a look where we had the big tent it looked just like a factory team mm -hmm. you know as one of your one of my you know if you were in my involved in my company you could come um we set up a hospitality each week you know we had chairs and tables and you know we, we would we did have some some of the companies, like some smaller companies, would send you know, Twin Air and stuff. Would send dealer or something. They'd, they'd let me know, hey, this, you know, get some passes for this guy. We're going to pay for his tickets, and then you know they'd come over and get drinks and stuff. They yeah. never really had any kind of catering. I mean, back then there wasn't, wasn't any catering that there is now. I yeah, yeah. Now. You um, have to be a chef to be a truck driver on his team. Now. I mean, Scott, I I would imagine, and I don't, I have no idea. Scott was a great guy. I knew him for a long time. I would think Scott did pretty well with that. Some years or a lot of years, right? I would think. He, oh, I would, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, you know, the first couple of years, the first two, three years on that thing, uh, 
you know, we were we were doing re- very well. Oh, okay, I mean, so you, it started out being really good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, is the industry was changing. A, a lot of things happened right away. Um, you know, within like three years, there was definitely the, you know, economy was not doing so well. Right. Um, some ownership had changed. Taking you know different owners owners at uh, Renthal, so we got so much product those first few years from Renthal and Mechanicsware that, um, and we were we sold it to the privateers for like thirty five dollars for a set of seventy dollars handlebars mm-hmm. at the time. Yep, <clears throat> sprockets and chains, everything was so cheap. And then all we would do is hand the product to like if you know, Team Honda came over and said, "Hey, we we're out of fifty two sprockets," we'd give them you know six or seven fifty twos, write it down, send in the the thing every week. Right. Say, hey, this is what we use, whatever, out of our lot. Yep. Well, at the end of the year, we'd have, you know, like, they give us, like, 300 sets of each style of handlebar. <laughs> you know, or two, I don't know. I don't even know. Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, you know, and but the problem is everybody used the 971s back then, you know? Nobody was even really using twin walls back then. So we'd have, like, at the end of the year, we'd have, like, 100 twin walls of, of three different styles. We'd have, you know these 722s that nobody used, we'd have, you know, 200 of those. Yeah. So I would just broker a deal somewhere and, you know, but literally it was all, it all had pro- sponsored products on it, you know? And, and so like it was given to us, that was part of their marketing plan was yeah. to give this product to us. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, we just sell everything at the end. So even though we did pretty well at the races, we would also sell all that product at the end. And you know, that was all money in the, Money in the, you know, right in the pocket, who, basically. Who was your partner in this? Who? What was his name? What was the? Uh, his name was John Franco. Franco, yeah. So it was a buddy of yours back east, or is that kind of how it came about? He really wasn't my buddy up until that point. He okay. was, he was actually trying to help John on that KTM privateer deal that John was doing. Um, he had given him some. He he was a builder of like these. Man, he builds these like million multi million dollar homes back in Long Long Island, New York, over there. So he. <laughs> He, he, uh, you know, like he would do a bathroom remodel that was like a hundred grand, you know? So he had money from that stuff, but, um, but he, he was helping John with that. And I just got to be friends with him. And the guy's probably, he could be possibly one of the funniest dudes around, but also the crazy, well, <laughs> man, crazy, like give him a rental car. And he is like a, a you know, first time he's ever had a chocolate bar. Man. He's just uh, yeah, yeah. the crap out of that thing. So he, he was fun to hang around with because of that stuff. When we started the company together, now you're like, well, there goes our company card on the rental car that you just drove into the ditch. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, but, yeah. But we, we got a, we, we got a great at first when we started fighting. That's kind of part, partially helped with the demise of that. Yep. Um, but we have since talked and we really do miss each other. Like we were, we were, we were really good friends. He just, uh, you know, we kind of, you know, whatever. we look far away anyway, but I mean, it was, yeah. it was nice to finally talk to him like three years, probably in between the, the, when he took over the business by himself, yeah. which only lasted one year anyway. But, yeah. You know, I just, I couldn't keep going the way we were going. I mean, you know, he had, so I was the guy for, that was my paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. He was a construction guy still that did that on the side. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you were like, Hey man, this is my money. I got to treat it like my money. And he probably wasn't really treating it like, his money. Yeah. Well, there just wasn't, there wasn't as much coming in anymore either. I mean, right. honestly, the, like Renthal had said, you know, okay, now what we're going to do is you guys can buy all the handlebars. You're not going to get them for free. You're going to, you're going to buy them all. 
we're like, whoa, whoa. I mean, they're still cheap. They still could have made money. But, yep, yep. but right around that time, they went from, like, if you remember back in the day, probably when you were racing from Canada or whatever, you'd come down and, like, that competition direct thing, there would be people in line. Oh, yeah. Because there wasn't as much sponsor. There wasn't these sponsor houses and whatever these other sponsor groups. Yeah. I mean, I bought stuff from Scott when I raced. Like, yeah, it was amazing. It was great, right? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Like, I would, I would, we would leave Daytona, Gainesville, any of those rounds. We'd have 10 grand in our pocket from sales. And that's not even including any of the credit card receipts. Right, right. Because yeah. every New Englander, Canadian, Michigan rider, anybody in the cold weather that didn't, was coming down for those first couple of rounds. They were getting everything they were going to get for possibly the next, you know, until they would see us again. They would plan on, okay, well, we'll see you guys at yeah. Troy, Ohio. Or something, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So uh, we would, you know, Tony LaRusso used to buy so much stuff from us. <laughs> By the way, uh, going back to working for Huffy, did Huffy and Dowdy ever get into it? And how weird was it for you to watch them battle? <laughs> and they didn't really that much. You know, Huffy was um, – he had a couple of great races, and he got second at Pontiac one once there. But he was going through some 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 issues at that point, man. He was like he that was the weirdest deal. I would still go over and and talk to J Bone a lot because my I mean honestly it was like my first gig right for all those years of not working for anybody other than John. Yeah. All of a sudden I'm working for some guy, and and it was definitely not quite the same. Right. Yeah. For sure. Right? Not not you know it was unfair to Damon, but. I mean, I would, you know, I would like, I would watch John on the track sometimes and I'd go over and talk to Damon or see how John was doing. I mean, I'd talk to J-Bone and see how John was doing and, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't think it ever got in the way really, but, it, yeah. you know, it was definitely like kind of watching one eye on Damon and one eye on Dowdy. Right, for sure, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, who can blame you, right? Who can blame you? And and Dowdy but, didn't have, that was the year Dowdy and Larry Ward went Cowie and they both didn't have very good years, man. They didn't like that bike very much. Well, that, that's not exactly true. John oh. didn't like it in Supercross, but John personally decided that this was his last shot and he was going to really put more effort than he ever had. He was always a snack fooder guy. He would, you know, yep. he would eat, you know, Mountain Dew after the race. Couldn't wait to get McDonald's on the way home, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, all these things now that would be on Instagram, like, you know, <laughs> posted on Instagram from somebody. I've seen John Dowd at the drive-thru at McDonald's, a racer at McDonald's. But anyway, he liked all that stuff. So he, he lost about 10 pounds, which doesn't sound like much, but he was you know pretty lean anyway. Mm -hmm. And ended up, uh, he ended up getting a, a, an ulcer. Um, he had a stomach ulcer from yeah. that. And, and uh, probably from that and then drinking the soda and then he was trying to eat all these vegetables and things just weren't cooking for him yeah yeah so supercross was bad and then he actually was carmichael actually told me he said john is faster than he's ever been right now they were practicing together and john was absolutely flying outdoors and he crashed at i know you've been there before i can't remember the name of it remember the track the test track that we used to go to was a private track it had the big muffler out front. It had like a muffler shop. Remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't remember who it was. Was that? Uh, it was a sand track, right? Yeah, it was pretty sandy. Yeah, pretty sandy. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. it's kind of irrelevant. But he he was, as John put it, was chasing and catching a little bit Carmichael. So Carmichael was in his prime right there, and and uh, he crashed and and, and broke a vertebrae of his neck. So he had, he wasn't out, you know, it wasn't one of those ones where he paralyzed or anything like that, but he yeah. was, uh, definitely had to sit out for a little while. And, and it, it also scared him a bit, you know? Right. Sure. Yeah. When you're 30, 
two or three and you're uh you got a you know six-year-old boy at the time or whatever i forget exactly the timeline on that whole situation we definitely had ryan at the time um you know you start to think like wow that was pretty close to breaking my damn back and being paralyzed right right and then and and then he just had that bad crash and so did and so did treadwell both of them together jesus oh i know right right yeah you know it's funny we were back in england i was back in new england right you know maybe a month before john crashed and he said he said we sat in the car and talked for a long time in a rental car. We're sitting in the driveway. Everybody was sleeping, and he's like, "I don't know, man." He goes, "I don't think I'm going to race anymore. I, I, you know, probably still do some riding here and there." And yeah. But I'm just not feeling it. He goes, "I, I just, uh, you know, I see some of these guys that got hurt real bad, and I don't, I don't want to do it. You know." And yeah. yeah. I, I, haven't, I haven't talked to him lately here about it, but I, I, I wonder what is especially after seeing Carmichael, and then everybody kind of forgets. I mean, Carmichael uh, Treadwell, and then everybody kind of forgets about. Scott Cheek, but I mean, they yeah. were, he was part of our team back at Boys, and I mean that that was all three. And Todd DeHoop, I mean, that was like four older dudes that were really good racers at one point that got hurt really bad in yeah. a matter of three or four months. And it's the yep. it brings out the ugly side of the sport, you know. Unfortunately, there is that side of it. Yeah, know? no, uh, you're right, absolutely. And yeah, it just comes a point where like, what are the, what are you gaining by racing, or what 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 are you going to get out of it? It's it's. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get your old results back. You're never going to make any money anymore. You know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. you know, like there's nothing good going to happen outside of a joy of racing that, and maybe if you're not feeling it, then it, there's no joy, you know? So, um, uh, so when the oh, fly racing race Rex podcast with Brian Barry, um, so when the activate thing folded up, did it, did it cost you a ton of money? Like were you all right? Or did, was that, did that thing break you or? Uh, yeah, I kind of did. Unfortunately I had, um, a lot of the, so the last year there was there was very few privateers anymore. They, they the AMA had changed their rules to like a hundred, I think, in each class, or maybe a hundred overall. I don't know for for TV purposes. It used to be like I was saying, it would be qualifiers. Remember, like at at uh, you know Gainesville, there'd be three or four qualifiers yeah. in each class to yep. get down just to just for the Sunday race, you know, and then yep. they have more qualifiers then. Anyway. So there was less racers. Uh, the last year we were putting a lot on, on a company credit card. And I learned a little bit about business then. You know, I, I uh, <laughs> it was a company credit card, but I secured the credit card with mm-hmm. my social security number. Yep. So I, I owed all that money oh boy. at the end. <laughs> so took a picture of driving around a big semi truck with uh, for a season and uh, on a credit card, basically. And oh. then, yeah, so. Yeah, and, someone uh, had told me, someone, one of our mutual friends or somebody had told me that, yeah, you, you, you lost a lot of money on that, which sucks, uh, by the way, but yeah. I, forget, I forget who told me that. But, um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things that didn't work out for a lot of reasons, but it was a good idea. It's, been, it's a proven business model as far as, you know, like you said, with Scott and you guys early on, it did, it did work, yeah. you know. I would have, looking back, I would have, I probably would have, not because of John, I like John, but I mean, I, I uh, probably would have not taken a business partner on, mm-hmm. which then I would have kept a small, my, my plan originally was to have a like box van type vehicle. Um, yep. And uh, we ended up going with a big motor home and then later on, a, you know, fifth wheeled yep. truck basically with a, you know, toter home on the front. But, but uh, yeah, I would probably kept a much smaller vehicle and um, ship the parts to and from each week rather than rather than have them all like we had everything in that upstairs of that truck I mean, yeah. we had that thing loaded you know right we had like a virtual warehouse up there but um i think i think the business model would have been much better than with a cool painted truck could have still had the big cool awning matching out there or maybe even a trailer behind it or something but way cheaper you know yeah 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 absolutely um yeah 99 99 binghamton 
uh, Ferry, Dowdy get into it, and you you come up to me and you're like, "What's the problem with your guy? What's your guy's problem?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know." He's like, "You're like that's bullshit." I don't even remember what happened, Muffin. I don't even remember what happened. You're like that's bullshit. And as you know, you're a big dude, and people who know you know you're yeah. a big dude. And I'm like, I think Muffin's gonna punch me in the face here. I remember telling Brooks on the radio because I was Chaparral that year. And I remember telling Brooks on the radio, I think Muffin's going to punch me in the face. Please, please help if he does. Please, please come to the mechanics area immediately. <laughs> so, yeah, good times. Well, I was probably more uh, bark than bite for on, on that kind. I always was usually always in control. Um, I did get a little crazy sometimes. I remember one time with, with Ferry again with, when he was working, when Leroy was working for him. Uh-huh. Um, he went inside of John and I swore he took him out and I, and I was ready to kill Leroy. And then Ed Allen here was on Suzuki at the time. He came over and was, I'm backing up my boy. And I was just like, I'll kill both of you. I don't care. I yeah. <laughs> like there's a, there's definitely a window there, Steve, where I might've punched you. Like yeah. it was probably only like a minute. Yeah. Yeah. But once you managed to like talk your way through that minute, then everything was okay. Yeah. I, I, I can remember you getting into a couple times with a couple guys and I, yeah. the, I felt the wrath that day at Binghamton. <laughs> and I was just like, go punch Ferry. I didn't do nothing. Go punch Timmy. I know. <laughs> and that was, you know, the worst part about that one. And like, it's, I don't remember what happened. At the, I remember that incident, but I don't remember what actually happened. Yeah. I don't either. Basically, yeah. basically you could have just passed. Really. You know, whatever. Um, but Ferry, when I actually watched the video, like when we got back to the truck, yeah. I went over and apologized to Leroy because Timmy never even touched me. <laughs> You're like, oh, my bad. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I feel like an asshole right now. Right, right. <laughs> do you know Wes Kane at all? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I know who he is. I so, don't know him well, but yeah. Yeah, Wes is a pretty wild guy. Well, Wes, Wes was Ferry's, you know, obviously they're all from down that area, so he's yeah. buddies with Ferry. And I'm, before I had seen the video, He's walking by with the trophy that Timmy won, or maybe he got second. I don't remember. Yeah. Remember Timmy that year? Like he got like second every race to win the championship. But it was kind of funny. But he, Wes, and I don't even know Wes at this point. I am. Um, he's walking by with this trophy, and he's going, "Look what we got! Woo!" He's got like Ferry's jersey hanging on his back, and I, I wanted to, I wanted to go kill him, man. <laughs> and uh, and there, you know, Yamaha's like, "Stay back behind the truck," and I'm like, and then Wes comes up a couple weeks later, and goes, oh, "Sorry, Prince again." And he's like. We've always been friends since, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. Pretty, oh, that's pretty cool. uh, He's a little too cool for me, but I mean, he, you know. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Um, well, man, thanks for the pod. Thanks for the time. What a, what a career! Nice, and like you said, you travel all over the world. You reach pinnacles as a mechanic that I think that you know most people don't. Um, you got to be happy with everything, you know. I think you got to look like you. It does seem like you look back and you're 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 really appreciative of of what you've done. I mean, a- absolutely. I mean. You know, from a guy that was uh, started out changing, you know, a couple of tires and definitely some filters along the way. Yep. To uh, you know, racing in you know Fukuoka, Japan, and Paris, France, and winning a championship and uh, going. You know, my my I don't know what you feel about this, but my my most precious moments were the two years that we went to motocross of nations, even though we we didn't do all that well. I yeah. Mean, you know, John rode well. He just had problems. One moto was the mud. Ironically enough, Villeman stalled in front of him and he got stuck in the mud. And then the other one was uh, we had some bike issues back with uh, back in England somewhere. I forget where the track was. But anyway, uh, you know, so to represent the U.S. was just, man, it was just amazing. I can't believe some of these guys don't want to do that stuff nowadays. It just bums me out, honestly. I went um, I went in 03 and we lost and it sucked. I don't have great memories of it because everyone was so miserable on Team USA. I was like, 
wow, this is pretty cool. I mean, we got second. Shit happens, but everyone was so mad. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll be mad too. I don't know. So. Yeah. No, I mean, that part of it definitely sucked. But for me personally, like, I, I guess, you know, I, I do I do like the national anthem. I do like the American flag. I stand for all that stuff. And, and I, I basically, you know, was so proud to, to wear – to wear that and so was john i mean you know like that's one of my helmets i have still is our helmet painter paint first year he went and i have one of those and it's one of my most cherished trophies i, I love that thing you know is it the um, one with the white with the blue stripe or the blue with the white stripe like troy with troy well you know ironically enough they um both had red white and blue on them <laughs> 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 no i'm just messing with you dude but yeah it, it's kind of that same look with, yeah but it, it was uh you know, the, the, we were number two that year. The first year we went because they had won the year before. So um, it's just a cool-looking paint job, a lot of metal flake in it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, like, just it, what it stands for, really, you know. Ironic that uh, Dowd and Henry, who made their name in this hor- hor- horrific mutter and winning this horrific mm-hmm. mutter, goes to uh, England and has a, the worst race in the mud. <laughs> so. Well, you, you have to – I mean, I'll tell you right now, John was, was – uh, on the charge to possibly win his class, and okay. he got a yep. bad start. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm almost almost positive it was Villeman on the 125. So we were 125, 250 in that moto. I was going up the hill and got side, kind of turned around sideways, and then John ended up bumping into him, stuck on the side of the hill, and just couldn't get out of this. And that was muddle. it. Yeah, yeah. They brought the bike back on the bulldozer. They're like, "Here you go, here's your bike." <laughs> like, yeah, that one that one looked bad for sure. Right. Um, was that Matterly? Well, I think it was Matterly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you have no, to Fox Hill. It was Fox Hill. Sorry. Fox Hill. Uh, Fox Hill. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So you have to remember that John was a great mud rider when it was wet. Yeah. That was starting to dry out. Yep. And, like, I mean, I, there is a moto, I believe it was Mount Morris, where the first moto, he was, like, you know, second or third, hauling, completely hauling ass. And then the next moto, he got, like, a 10 because it dried up. And it was just like long ruts from one turn to the next, and, and he was not good in that kind of mud. Right. He right. was good in the. He was. You know, you think about it, right? Everything he did, Southwick was sandy. You slide all over the yeah. place. Yeah. You know, Water. So like. Yeah. Yeah. There's not lines to hit. Um, you go to the race. You know, a, a muddy race like at, at that one Steel City. I mean, uh, Hangtown. I mean, yeah. It was just a slippery mess, and he was all over the place. But that's when he's at his best. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Well, thanks for doing this, Brian. Appreciate it, man. Fly Racing yeah. Racer X podcast. Uh, to over two hours and twenty minutes, we went. So, nah, nice. Uh, hope you're doing Can well. I just say one thing. Yeah. Real quick. Yeah. I just wanted to say, you know, it's it's cool. One thing we do share, although I didn't hit you in the face that one time, mm-hmm. we have a certain like, you know, you have the same. I think had the same relationship with Timmy that I did with John. You know what I mean? Like, it's cool when you can work for somebody that is just that. that like as a friend oh, really yeah time, you know? yeah i mean i didn't work for i worked for timmy for four years so i i'm not even you know a quarter of what you did with dowdy yeah but no yeah the absolute the idea of like this is my friend i care about yeah. him uh we're in this together all of that is a feeling that yeah like i worked for kelly smith and i worked for danny smith at fmf honda and yeah. i just was punching the clock a little bit you know yeah. i didn't like those guys They're nothing great guys yeah, yeah great guys i just i didn't i didn't bond with them you know, for different reasons. Yeah. And, and Timmy, Nick Way, a couple of guys that I did, you know, and I worked really hard and I would do anything for those guys, just like you would have done anything for Dowdy. 
you know, I was going to go through and make a whole list and see who, who's, whose rider did actually better, you know, Timmy or John. But um, and then I finally realized, like, ah, I'm not really into that stuff. But, yeah. Okay. But, uh, you know, <laughs> None of that really just matters. Just a joke, you know. I did a podcast today where Timmy got third, and I'm like, huh, got third that night. Oh, who knew? Yeah. I, I don't remember that, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. Well, whatever. It was, hey, it, was, it was really good talking to you. I thank you for calling me and um, yeah. thinking of me or whatever. And if you ever need me to interject on something someday or whatever, feel free. I mean, just let me know. I mean, this this new job thing has been a little crazy, but once once I get that, I'll feel more free after five or something. So if you ever, no, if you awesome. ever need, you know, telling a story or like I got a funny one about Rick Johnson, I'll tell you sometime or whatever. You know. What I mean? Sure. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll need to do that. We'll do uh, we'll do a part two down the road for sure. Uh, uh, absolutely fantastic career. Thanks for the time, Muffin, and uh, I'm glad you're doing well. And yeah, let's keep in touch, man. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Steve. See you. Thanks for don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Miguel was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I just pulled piss and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you sit there, you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. 
Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, 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 h